terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. In his first public speech, he warned there are still several thousand Islamist extremists in the UK. In other news, Bedfordshire police say 11 to 20-year-olds are prime targets for violent criminals. Latest figures show more than one in five street robberies are carried out on younger people and the perpetrators are often teenagers too. Richard Denton is Bedfordshire's Children and Young People's Development Officer. And We certainly had about 12 to 18 months ago a real issue in Bedfordshire with street robberies and we've put a lot of investment, a lot of work with schools and other education settings to deliver educational programmes to improve the problem. And the good news is that actually the work that we've put in has cut our street robbery figures down quite dramatically. A St Albans man has successfully sued First Capital Connect over the cost of his commute. Andrew Myers worked out that it was £700 cheaper if he bought a ticket from North Watford, as Tony Fisher reports. Mr Myers used the ticket for two months before being told it was invalid, but he took First Capital Connect to court and won his case. He said he wanted his day in court because it was a matter of public importance. In a statement, the Association of Train Operating Companies said it was an example of a very obscure error. They said that if other such errors were found, they would look to correct them to make sure all passengers are treated fairly. A new poll for the BBC suggests that despite government cuts, most people think the quality of public services has been maintained or improved over the past five years. The survey of just over a 1,000 people finds a greater proportion of people think bin collections, parks and libraries, schools and bus services have got better than worse. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons were knocked out of the Johnston's Paint Trophy last night as they lost 2-1 away to Stevenage. Wickham are through to the second round after winning 2-1 at home to Bristol City. And in the conference, Premier Luton Town drew 3 all at Old shot. The weather today, sunshine and showers and a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius that's 61 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. <coughs> oh, I had the microphone open when I coughed. What an idiot. I thought I'd turn the microphone down. Little clearing of the throat. No, it was wide open. You all heard inside my lung. Well done you. Good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six on a Wednesday morning, Wednesday the 9th of October. Wow. Lots coming up today. Kind of need your input on a few things a little bit more than I normally would. Uh, Some of the stories include Tommy Robinson, as you've probably heard, has left the EDL. Well, has he brought shame to your town? New research seems to indicate that living near a flight path can make you ill. And our roving reporter, Justin Daly, well, we've not managed to come up with anything for him to do today. So, I was kind of thinking, you pay Daly's wages. What would you like Justin Daly to do this morning? It's entirely up to you. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And this is a genuine offer. Justin Dealey is yours today. I nearly said a rude word. But he's yours. You can get him to do what you want. What do you want him to do? We'll find out after the Bee Gees.
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. This is a serious, genuine offer. Justin Dealey, we couldn't think of anything for him to do this morning. So, if you have any suggestions, you can either go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR, or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Otherwise, he'll be earning good money, actually, good money for doing even less than usual. Now, Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. Do you think this is a change of heart, or is it a desperate bid for more publicity? Um, Two of the Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League have left the group, citing concerns over the dangers of extremism extremism within their group. The head, Tommy Robinson, and his co-founder, Kevin Carroll, announced their stepping down at a press conference in London last night, adding that their group had become, quote, part of the problem. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was there last night. Like, Paul, what happened? Well, Ian, it, it's quite interesting, this. It's, they said it's been in the offing since February. Um, that's when they've started really to um, really start thinking about whether or not they want to continue in this, uh, in this group. Um, and they've been working with another Muslim called... Mohammed Amwar on a uh, Asma, sorry on a on a documentary which is going to air on the BBC soon um, called When Tommy Met Mo. They said that it's because of rising concerns over the number of right wing extremists saying they were part of the EDL. Um, Tommy Robinson, also known as Stephen Lennon, uh, says he was never against Muslims, just Islamic extremism, and he told the BBC yesterday uh, that he made this decision because he could no longer keep those extremist elements of the EDL at bay. When some moron lifts up his top and he's got the picture of a mosque saying boom, and it's all over the national newspapers, it's me. It, it, it's when I pick up my kids from school, the parents are looking at me, judging me on that. And that's not what I've stood for. And I want to. And my decision to do is to, is to be true to what I stand for. And whilst I want to lead a revolution against Islamist ideology, I don't want to lead a revolution against Muslims. Now, it was often the impact the EDL marches had on communities which people had a problem with. uh, Lots of uh, uh, aggressive language, uh, uh, things being thrown, often violence. Did he mention any of that? Yeah, I mean, he did say that that was becoming an element which had caused him concern. He said that Kevin uh, Carroll and he couldn't be at every march overseeing what was going on. And he said that uh, the sight of a, a white pride flag at a recent march in um in manchester had really sort of uh, tipped him over the edge was the last straw for him however he said he was still proud of that he said he would do the marches again if he had to i don't regret the demonstrations if you're asking if i regret individuals yes i do yeah um it's never been the, never been what i've wanted I like, when i when i've met muslim women who said that they felt fearful i've met them myself so if you think for one minute i feel proud about that i don't do I regret the demonstrations? Do I regret forming the English Defence League? No, I don't, know. Because what it's done, it's brought about... It's brought the topic to the forefront. It's brought many issues to the forefront. It, the groundswell of support. I believe it's been part of the solution to where we're at now. But what I don't want to end up being is part of the problem. They were a very controversial group, of course. Politicians in Luton hated them, and they were accused of dividing communities, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one politician said to me that they were a stain on the town. Um, I think it's fair to say that there are mixed feelings Mm. about it. Um, There are some people who think that they are a legitimate voice for for concerns, but um, whether they were that sort of articulate voice that um, they they could be perhaps is is you know up for debate certainly um tommy robinson said they were a voice for some of those disaffected communities and they still could be that voice but this time perhaps against all forms of extremism i don't want to let down my supporters of the idea the the, the, the decent people 
because so many people see it as an outlet and um, it's actually giving them a voice because let's face it working class communities in this country don't have a voice and when they're angry and frustrated which is there's an undercurrent of anger in this country people need to understand how how powerful that ang anger is and frustration and um, what do I see doing that's what that's to work out a strategy and a vision with Quilliam to see how we can channel um, our passion but in a more constructive manner I guess one of the um good things about the edl is that we knew where the edl were what the edl were doing and, and, and where and when they were gathering i suppose with with tommy robinson these two gentlemen leaving the edl some members of the edl saying it will still go on it, it probably won't it'll be running around like a headless chicken mm. it, does this leave the door open for other extreme right-wing groups to, to kind of move in i think it does and i think the concern is especially because of the the seeming the rise of of the the, the neo-nazi that's a quote element um which is what what kevin carroll told me um they they do say that they are worried about it it is also a, a very much a real concern for some external observers as well jamie bartlett from the think tank demos we'll talk to him later on he wrote a report called inside the egl and he says that without Tory robinson they may be taken over by splinter groups he said that um they were in some ways keeping some of the really unsavory speakers out and now they can't do that now last night kevin carroll did tell me that they still had control of the websites and of the the facebook pages which were the sort of way of getting information out to their supporters and he said that that was going to continue he said that they're meeting with regional leaders today um and that they you know will ensure that they stamp it extremists out of the organization but i did say to him well why haven't you done that already you said yeah. that you know, that was partly the the reason for you staying in there um and tommy robinson did say that he was very worried about those elements i feel awful and i, I feel terrible and part of the reason why i haven't wanted to leave many times is because i haven't wanted to give splinter groups extremists or st extremists a platform which is why if you listen to what i'm saying i don't want to just combat islamist ideology now that i've left i want to combat those splinter groups because I feel as passionately against them as I do against Muslims. Now, uh, they've gone off to... He, Robinson has gone off to join Quilliam. Mm. Have, they, have they both joined Quilliam? Well, I think so. Right. I'm not sure as you, you can join it. It's not like... I don't think there's a card Is it an ideology or something? Scheme. What is Quilliam? I don't, I don't know enough about it. Well, OK. Imagine... I think... I don't think they'd mind being described as this. But imagine, like, the opposite side of the edl imagine yes. say, or sort of the other side of the extremist scale yes. okay so you've got far-right extremists who aren't in well some are in the edl but obviously yeah. you know that's that's the very sort of one side of the scale on the other side of the scale you've got sort of islamist extremists yeah. and that's what these some of the quilliam founders were they were islamist extremists some right. of them did fight in afghanistan with the mujahideen yes. you know some have come to luton and sat in on extremist meetings yeah um they have if you like taken that same journey that kevin carroll and tommy robinson say they now have and have sort of got away from that sort of uh, that that sentiment um they you know have turned around they've been trying to moderate if that's the word um the former you know the more extreme forms of islam um and and say they've had some success um However, Tommy Robinson said that he and Carol uh, actually needed their support in order to leave the EDL. We need help. Yeah, We haven't got all the answers. We've got this passion. We've got a groundswell of support. We've got a love for our country. And we want to do things the right way now. Yeah, Now, to get there, we need the support of Quilliam, which is why 
I, I've reached out with Quilliam to ask for the support. And, and, and I envisage wanting to run an organisation similar myself that is tackling extremism on all fronts. Well, Paul Scoyne, thank you very much for that. Later on, we'll hear from local Muslims and a man who infiltrated the EDL to write that report. And we're asking this morning, has the EDL brought shame on your town? Obviously, speaking specifically um, to people who are living in Lucent, but you can call in if you're outside of the area. 08459 455 555. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good morning. Things looking clear on the main routes. M1 and M25 are looking nice and empty on the cameras at the moment. Some roadworks in High Wycombe, though, on the A40. We've got temporary traffic lights up for works near Mill End Road. And then if you're driving through Langford, they're doing some works on the High Street, the A6001, near the junction with Station Road. That's likely to get busy. Those works will be ongoing through until tomorrow. Taking a look at the trains, and so far, so good. No problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, it's 6.17. It's uh, Wednesday, the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The leaders of the Luton-based English Defence League are stepping down, saying the group's become part of the problem rather than the solution. The head of MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. In sports, Milton Keynes Dons were knocked out of the Johnston's Paint Trophy last night, losing 2-1 away to Stevenage. Coming up, well, new research seems to indicate that living in a flight path can make you ill. Well, is that possible? BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been another amazing year for British sporting talent. And Andy Murray, 6-4, has only gone and done it. But who are our unsung sporting heroes? Every year, the BBC recognises people across the UK who aren't stars, but simply go that extra mile. They inspire people to take part in sport in all our local communities, and for no reward. Chris Froome is the champion of this 100th Tour de France. It's a second British victory inside 12 months. Let us know your sporting unsung hero now. Go to bbc.co.uk slash unsung hero to download a nomination form. Closing date is Wednesday, October the 16th. They all deserve our support. If she just would Some sweet day I'll make her mine Pretty flamingo 
If she just would Some sweet day Nice little bit of Manfred Mann On a Wednesday morning Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio Now, do you think Living near a flight path can make you ill? Well, according to new research, you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. I know, I'm scratching my head slightly. Well, researchers from colleges in London, oh, it must be true then, looked at people living near Heathrow Airport and found that the noise from aircrafts could contribute to ill health by raising blood pressure or by disturbing people's sleep. Well, in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, we, of course, have Luton Airport, so we sent Justin out to investigate whether this is the case there. Morning, Justin. Morning, boss. Uh, where exactly did you go, and what did you find? Well, I went to Breachwood Green. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, sure. It's uh, a lovely village in Hertfordshire. It's on the flight path to Luton Airport. Now, as nice as that village may be, it's very, very noisy at certain times, through the night as well. I stood in somebody's back garden, and a plane came over. This was a uh, commercial jet, so I've got a sound effect of this. Just take a quick listen to this. This is in somebody's back garden, a plane going over. Now you were thinking, you would think you were quite literally on the runway, but that is in somebody's back garden. So can you imagine what that's like, watching your favourite TV programmes, uh, having a family over for a barbecue? It would ruin Splash for me. <laughs> it would ruin Splash. Yeah. So, so that's what these people are dealing with. Uh, we'll hear from somebody later on who's been in the village for a year or so. The first week he moved in, he was on sleeping pills because he couldn't sleep. Wow. He believes that his health is certainly under risk because of where he lives, but... Uh, uh, first, this is Sheila Daniels, who lives in Breachwood Green, and he asked her just how bad the situation is for plane noise there. Terrible. The noise is terrific, particularly if they do it in the night, and the night time is really bad. It's when they're taking off. They're not too bad when they're landing, but when they're taking off, horrendous. And the noise itself, does it raise your blood pressure levels? Does it make you angry? Yes, does make me angry when they're really noisy. Um, and I find some aircraft are much noisier than others. And what would they be? Uh, EasyJet. Mm-hmm. It's funny, it's the smaller ones. EasyJet, um, Wiz and Ryanair. They're from terrible Ryanair. Right? And strangely enough, the bigger planes don't seem as bad. So you're stressed out. Um, what about your sleep pattern? Has your sleep been affected over the years because of the aircraft yes, noise? Yes, I don't sleep. And, then, and they wake you up and then you can't get back to sleep again. Some of our listeners might be shouting at the radio saying, if it's that bad here, why don't you move? Because I've lived here so long and I love the community. I join in everything in this community now. So if you were to move out, it would destroy your life, really? Well, it would destroy my life, yeah, because my, my son lives in the village as well. So, um, And I belong to everything in the village. So when you first arrived here, then, things must have been very, very different, not like they are today. Oh, no. No, it was very quiet, really, the village. All you got was the small planes, because you didn't get the big ones at all. All, all it was was Luton Flying Club. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must concern you greatly about any, any form of expansion, because if it's bad enough as we currently stand, yes. it could get a lot worse for oh, you and the could. villagers. Oh, it could. Yes. And, I mean, it 
can't be good for the young children. And I mean, there must be a lot of pollution coming out of these planes as they go over as oh, well. She's, she's not a happy lady, is she, Just? No, she's not. You know, to, to be fair, you've rubbished this report, but, you know, going to somewhere like Breachwood Green, no. which is... Well, you have. You, no, you've, well, you have rubbished it. Come on. Now, what, no, what I've said is I don't necessarily see the correlation between mm. aircraft noise and heart disease. You see, what people are saying is that they are stressed, yeah. uh, a lack of sleep. Now, those two things can't be great. So, you know, the people that I've been talking to there certainly feel that their health has been affected simply by the aircraft noise. That's what they're saying to me. Okay, Justin. Uh, listen, I'm not knocking that lady's story. <laughs> in any, it's a no, very... Not at all. Not at all. But I think, you know, when I first looked at it, I thought to myself as well, yeah. this can't be right. How can you, uh, you know, talk to people near Heathrow, Luton Airport, whatever, um, and link living near an airport to, to heart disease or heart attacks? Well, you know, the people that I have spoken to, yeah. you can certainly see that, that they are very, very stressed out because it could be at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and they're trying to get to sleep. A plane goes over, but they wake out, uh, they wake up. So th- they are stressed out people. Okay, well, let's put it out there. If, if you live near an airport, if you've moved near an airport, do you think it affects your stress levels? 08459 double five five. Now, Justin, we're, we're kind of a little bit lost as to what to do with you this morning. Mm. Uh, and I know you're going to be talking about this and uh, talking to some people about um, the, the EDL, but I kind of, you know, I like you to do kind of something a bit more uplifting, fun. a bit yeah, but fun, yeah, fun. So I've put it on Facebook. Yeah, uh, I put it out to the listener. This is this is this is a genuine offer, dear listener. You pay his yeah. uh, not inconsiderable wages. Yeah. You can boss Justin Daly around today. Um, Ali on Facebook says, get him to interview MK Council about the potholes they've still not fixed from last winter. Well, there is actually a pothole story out tomorrow. Oh, mm. potholes always, always a great radio listening. I think. Uh, but Phil has called in. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Morning, Phil. Morning, Ian. I'm good, thank you, Phil. You're in St Albans, so it's it's not uh, completely impossible for Justin to get there. What would you like Justin Dealey to do this morning? Well, I've got a few jobs I've got in mind, actually. Uh, 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 mate, I really need my double uh, driveway breaking over. You know, it kind of gets all, all messed up with the cars going on. And is, off it, is it gravel, Phil? Yeah, I've St Albans. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> Listen, you want some St Albans gravel uh, uh, kind of raked over and tidied yeah. up. OK. And uh, as it's the as it's recycling day, as it's thin day, he, he thought, I know he loves a bit of recycling. Yeah. He can maybe do that, and I, I can stretch to maybe a cup of tea, uh, three sugars, and a bacon sandwich. <laughs> if it's Justin, what do you reckon? Um, no. Oh, no. Phil, it's it's a no from Justin on that one. Thank you very much indeed, though, for the kind offer of a little bit of a... I think Phil has slightly misunderstood it. It's yeah. not phone up and get Justin to do your chores. <laughs> it's w- what kind of thing would you like him to go out and, in inverted commas, report on? Yeah, what should we talk about this morning? Th- yeah. th- there must be something you've seen in the papers or something that's annoying you or something that you feel our audience would like to be talking about today. Basically, could you do our job for us, please? Because we were too busy having a chat before the show exactly. to have done any preparation. But just to, just to clarify, you're, you're not up for going to St Albans and raking a bit of St Albans gravel? Uh, maybe for children in need later oh, this mate, year. Yeah, maybe for that, but not this morning. Who's going to sponsor you to rake well, gravel? I wouldn't sponsor you to rake gravel. Why? I'd sponsor you to do a naked bungee jump or something, not to oh. rake gravel. Oh. I, well, I, I can rake gravel. My, my three-year-old boy can rake gravel. There's no challenge there. This naked bungee jump, I would do that. Are you, uh, you up for it as well? I'm up for giving you 20 quid for doing it. Yeah, you're not going to come with me? Nope. We could hold hands and all that sort of stuff? I'm not holding hands with you while you're naked, again. 
Okay. Not after last time. It was a dark room. Turns out it wasn't his hand. Anyway, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Genuine, genuine offer there, dear listener. Justin Diddy. And when I say what would you like him to do, it isn't, you know, can, can he come and paint your windows or something? It's, it's kind of reporting. What sort of things would you like him to be asking the public about? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Or if you want, you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed turns are showing things starting to slop as you go into the roadworks on the M25. So anti-clockwise, there's a bit of a delay now from Waltham Abbey to Enfield Junction 26 to 25. It's also slowing up a little bit through Harpenden this morning. The A1081, as you come down from Luton into Harpenden, is just looking a wee bit busy. The A1M is still looking clear and no trouble on the A1 further north. Bedford looking fine. No delays in or around Milton Keynes as yet. And it's looking like a pretty clear run along the M40 past Beaconsfield and High Wycombe. If you're travelling by train, no problems or delays reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Time for the news and sport now. Coming up to 6.30, here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines, the leaders of the Luton-based English Defence League are stepping down, saying the group's become part of the problem rather than solution. The head of the MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. And a new poll for the BBC suggests that despite government cuts, most people think the quality of public services has been maintained or improved over the past five years. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stevenage is through to the second round of the Johnston's Paint Trophy after knocking out MK Dons last night. Borough put an end to their recent losing streak with a 2-1 win, much to the delight of boss Graham Wesley. We've had a horrible run of results. Um, the team hasn't looked as though it's got a win in it. And uh, tonight we got arguably our more experienced players on the pitch. We got one or two back from injury. I think the players showed a lot of quality, but more importantly for me, they showed a real appetite to win a football match. First and foremost, you've got to have that work ethic, that togetherness, that fighting spirit. And uh, it felt like the good old days, didn't it, for the first time since I've been back. Meanwhile, the Dons manager Carl Robinson was less happy. Today that wasn't acceptable. Listen, they went all bad. There was four to five up there. They, they had a right good goal. I thought Dean Lewinson was magnificent. Mm. But when you look at where the game goes, it, it was poor. It was poor. And um, they need to learn lessons very, very quickly. Wickham also got through to the second round of the JPT after beating Bristol City 2-1 with goals from Billy Knott and Matt Bloomfield. Here's the chairboy's boss, Gareth Ainsworth. We changed a few things, you know. We, uh, we had a little change of shape um, to encourage maybe a little bit more passing through the uh, through the midfield. And uh, I think it worked a treat. Um, the goals we scored in the first half were, were superb. I think we could have had three or four and uh, nobody would have been uh, begrudged with that. In conference, Premier Luton Town drew three all at Aldershot, courtesy of goals from Andre Gray, Andy Parry and Sean Walley. Here's how Hatters manager John Still saw it. We were poor defensively today. Poor. Not as a unit, but individuals. Individuals were poor. Give away too many free kicks in our third. Didn't defend the balls well enough um, and was very unconvincing. 
And that's your latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at seven o'clock. Kath, yeah. we need to find something for Dealey to do. He's been getting off very lightly. He's been chancing it. I mean, mm. I don't know if you heard yesterday, his Vox Pops, it's where he approaches people in the street. He wasn't even approaching people in the street. He was <laughs> ringing on intercoms. That's how lazy this boy has got. Lazy or ingenious, I can never work it out. Oh, you're not on his side. I always thought you were a hard worker. <laughs> I am, but sometimes I wonder whether I, I should be taking more of a daily route. You're one of those chances, aren't you, that, that makes it look like you're working hard, but really you're getting everyone else to do it for you while you do the bare minimum. Um, uh, is, is that the phone? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Um... Unbelievable. Well, uh, you can. Uh, we're trying to find something for Dealey to do this morning. I'm, I am disappointed with his. Uh, yesterday, he was buzzing people on the intercom instead of going up to them in the street. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Chris is in Milton Keynes. Morning, Chris. Have you got a, a story we can send Justin on? Yeah, I, I, I think something for him. Uh, right, A six hundred between um, Bedford and Shefford. Yep. Um, I don't know if you know that. Just off the A four two one. I know it. Yep. Within a period of about 200 metres there, you've got about 12 road signs all saying 40 miles an hour. Oh, how in, in what distance have you got those those road signs? They must be within about two, 250 metres. Oh, mate. Listen, this is one of my bugbears, and we have started the half-hearted campaign to get rid of the majority of road signs. I hate it when roads are peppered with road signs, and this sounds ridiculous. 12 of them? Yeah, it's something ridiculous like that. Every time I drive through there, I think, why do you need so many? Well, you, the thing is, you don't need so many. They must have cost a fortune as well. Well, you did find that a while ago, didn't you? How much they cost each? It was really ridiculous, wasn't it? Now, what kind of signs are these? Are they the electronic ones or the, the red circles with the number in the middle? They're red circles with the number in the middle. They're all 40 miles an hour signs. Chris, listen, thank you for bringing that to our attention. If we don't look at it today, we will look at that in the future. I hate road signs. We don't need anywhere near as many road signs. We don't need them. We'll speak to Justin in a bit. We'll put these past him. Uh, Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Morning, Dave. What have you got for us? I thought Luton Borough Council wanted to reduce their electricity. Yes. Well, if you drive through Luton on the main roads, every light is on. All right. And it's like daylight driving, like this morning when I took my boy to Vauxhalls. Yeah. Why haven't they cut any lights down? Instead of like having a light on, light off, light on, because. What? Who's out during the night with all these lights blaring on? Who's really out at v- night? Vulnerable young women coming back from nightclubs. Well, you'd be used, you're only going to take one light off yeah. between the three. But what's, what's it to make so the voles and the foxes can see where they're going? Because it's outrageous. Well, it's, outrageous. it's so well lit. Yeah. They could save thousands on this electricity. Okay. Hang on a minute, Dave. Yeah. You're not the fellow that I keep banning from this show, are you? But listen, I've been ha- listening to you since six o'clock. Right, that's, that's irrelevant. I, but, I, no, I, no, 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 you ban- no, you've banned me from September. I haven't said anything for October I- yet. Oh, it's got me on a technicality. No, we, have a nice, we have a nice little talk. It's well, coming on. That's debatable. I'm, I'm waiting for Dennis to come on because I like to hear him talk. No, Dennis. Well, listen, why don't you find out where Dennis lives and go and go and sit with him, and you two can talk together and stop bothering no. me. No, we can talk over the phone. No, I'm not paying for your phone bills. Yeah. Right, because of your cheat, you're banned for the rest of the month. (laughs) Thank you. Unbelievable. Well, we'll speak to Justin a bit. We'll put those two to him. Road signs and streetlights. Woman at the country, now I find you. 
this song it's a shame Joe Cocker didn't do more good songs song called Delta Lado if you hadn't guessed thank you Joe now, have your children or your grandchildren ever been robbed in the street? Bedfordshire police say youngsters aged between 11 and 20 are being regularly targeted by criminals often involving violence. Well, latest figures show that more than one in five street robberies are carried out on youngsters. The criminals themselves are often teenagers too. Well, BBC reporter Neil Bradford has spoken to youngster Aaron Mead from Houghton Regis, who was held at knife point and is now scared to go out. I was walking back from the shop in the morning paper about half past ten a shadow gets a bit close you turn to look to see what's happening behind you and next thing I know there's a, a knife held to my stomach now in his 20s Aaron Mead from Houghton Regis relives the moment he was robbed at knife point it was broad daylight and barely a hundred yards from his home you try and stay as calm as, as you possibly can but obviously panic does start to kick in so I handed, I handed over my iPod, which was the first thing I could think to give. And then as soon as I gave him the iPod, he'd, he'd walked away. The ordeal left him frightened to go out. Immediately afterwards, you're, just, you're scared to leave home, basically. You're, you're sort of... If ever you want to do something, you, you sort of ask someone, oh, do you mind coming to the shop with me, which is 100 yards away? Or if not, I'd, I'd take my car and drive to the end of the street if I had to sort of thing like just for that extra bit of security. The man who robbed him, 25 year old Mark Crawford from Luton, 
was jailed for eight years. He was also convicted of two more robberies against teenagers, his youngest victim just 13. But Bedfordshire police say robberies against teenagers often happen on the way to and from school by other teenagers. It's a worrying trend they say they're working hard to eliminate. Because of the ease of digital equipment that they carry, it is really easy for stuff to be taken from them. We certainly had about 12 to 18 months ago a real issue in Bedfordshire with street robberies. And we've put a lot of investment, a lot of work with schools and other education settings to deliver educational programmes to improve the problem. And the good news is that actually the work that we've put in has cut our street robbery figures down quite dramatically. Now more than a year since Aaron was robbed, he says he's still wary of going out alone. But he's pleased the man responsible has been taken off the streets. Well, that's Neil Bradford with that report, which also featured Richard Denton from Bedfordshire Police. I'll be speaking to him about this in more detail later on in the programme. I was expecting to hear some noise of a police raid. I was told that's what we're going to hear. That's what we wanted to hear. We wanted to hear men, policemen, kicking down doors and arresting people.
is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 555. We're looking for something to send Justin Dealey out on this morning. We want a good, good story. Good thing he can go and do a vox pop on or he can go and investigate, he can go and look at. We've struggled this morning as a team. We've failed you, do listen. I don't mind admitting that. We've let you down. And we've not managed to come up with anything suitable to send him out on. Yeah, he's doing some bits about the EDL. Yeah, he's doing some something about um, aeroplanes giving you cancer or something. But, but no, heart attacks, that's it, isn't it? Yes. But, but, I, I really think he's been slacking this week. And considering not only do you pay his wages, I pay his wages on those infrequent times when I buy myself a TV licence. So, what would you like Justin Dealey to do this morning? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We can give us a call. 08459 455 555. We'll be speaking to Justin in a few minutes. Before that, let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting steadily busier on the M25. Anti-clockwise is heavy Waltham Abbey to Enfield going into the roadwork section, junction 26 to 25. Also slow from the M1 to Kings Langley now, junction 21 to 20. It's likely to slow up on the A418 a little bit this morning. First off in Wingrave because you've got some temporary lights up. Roadworks between the Wingrave Crossroads and Park Gate. And then through Beerton, there are some temporary lights for works at Burcott Lane. The works in Milton Keynes to the south of Milton Keynes near Bletchley on the A5 still ongoing. You've got a lane closed for junction improvement works on the A5 coming up to the McDonald's roundabout. Can get quite busy there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's coming up to 6.46. It's Wednesday the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The leaders of the Luton-based English Defence League are stepping down, saying the groups become part of the problem rather than the solution. A new poll for the BBC suggests that despite government cuts, most people think the quality of public services has been maintained or improved over the past five years. In sport, MK Dons are out of the Johnston's paint, paint trophy after losing 2-1 to Stevenage last night. Coming up, Bedfordshire Police say that... Uh, oh, no, we've, uh, we've done that. We'll do that a bit. Coming up, we're going to speak to Justin Dealey and, and, and see if we can find something for him to do. You've got a few minutes if you want to give us a call. Any suggestions for what we can send Dealey out on? 08459 455 555. But before that, let's get the weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. Wendy Harrell here with your weather this morning and it's a mild start to the day once again. 13 degrees Celsius, but make the most of that because tomorrow morning will feel quite different. Now, as we go through the day today, the best chance is the brightness will be first thing and there will be a sort of more cloudy interlude in the middle part of the day with a chance of a spot of rain as well. And then towards the evening and overnight, the skies will be clearing. Temperatures today, they will get to about 16 or 17 degrees, so we're still clinging on to the milder weather, but you'll feel the breeze pick up throughout the afternoon. As I say overnight the sky is clear the temperature will fall to six or seven degrees celsius so really quite nippy all of a sudden and the breeze will be increasing as well it will be a mostly dry night but i suppose there's a small chance of a little one or two showers creeping in from the north so we start the day tomorrow much much colder and you'll certainly notice that on your way to work throughout the day tomorrow there will be some decent spells of sunshine particularly first thing but more cloud in the sky as the day goes on and again we are at risk of one or two showers being swept in on a fairly stiff breeze 
coming in from a northerly quarter, so temperatures really only getting to 10 or 11 degrees Celsius. Really autumnal, blustery day. And as we go through Friday as well, still some showers knocking about first thing, a little bit drier in the afternoon. Still a breezy day, but the wind's dying back a tiny bit as we go through the weekend, and temperatures picking up a tiny bit as well, perhaps to 13 or 14 degrees Celsius. But it's time to put the sandals away. Boots out tomorrow. It is going to be a nippy one. Thank you very much, Wendy. 08459 555 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We'll be speaking to Justin Dealey very, very soon. So if you've got any suggestions on what it is you would like him to do, then give us a call. You can tell I'm filling, so I'm just trying to drag the trail into the right blooming place and I don't want to play Mumford and Sons, so there. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, they were really, really unhelpful. They laughed at me. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. We have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having. Since beginning of June I've had no schedule freezer. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk Gentleman then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from 9 BBC Three Counties Radio.
what a song. Toby Robinson has left the EDL. Well, do you think this is a change of heart or a desperate bid for more publicity? Two of the Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League have left the group, citing concerns over the dangers of extremism within their group. The head, Tommy Robinson, and his co-founder, Kevin Carroll, announced they're stepping down at a press conference in London last night. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out asking people in Luton about this. Justin, what have you been asking people? Yes, hello, Ian. Of course, uh, the EDL were formed in Luton, so I've been asking people this morning in the town, has Tommy Robinson brought shame on your town? And here's what people have had to say. No, I don't think so. He was just standing up for what he believes, really. Some people uh, took it a bit too far, but I don't think his intention was to do that, so no, I don't. I, I wouldn't say total shame. I, I said the way his group went about certain things was wrong. They, they did sort of look like hooligans, but having spoken to him a couple of times, I could sort of see where he was coming from, but he just sort of went about it the wrong way. But I think with him leaving and also Kevin Carroll... I reckon they'll probably have no direction. They'll probably be a bit worse, to be fair, because I think it'll just be a bunch of blokes shouting. No, I don't think he's brought shame. I think he's he's made the right decision. I think they were starting to get in a bit extreme. Now that he's left the group, do you think a number of supporters in this town will will leave the English Defence League as well? I think I think a few will. Yeah, I think a few will. I think I think they'll they'll realise what might happen. I mean, there's a possibility they could get more extreme, couldn't they? So you know, yeah, I, I guess they will. The more the more for, sort of like more thoughtful, peaceful elements will will go. So so the better elements will leave, won't they? And just to get this absolutely clear, you're not an English Defence League no. supporter. You're just somebody who's taken a keen interest because it's loose. And th- these are views that you've got, uh, not based on you being a supporter. Exactly. Yeah, I've never been a supporter of the EDL. I, I sort of like, you know, the only the only interest I ever show is when they're on, the, you know, on the news and stuff like that. It's part of our news, our daily news, in yeah. fact. And it's your town. And it's our town. And you know. Um, I only the EDL only came about because of the um, the booing of the soldiers. So the, the, you know, so that that situation that was that's what brought shame to our town. The actual booing of our soldiers that brought shame. Well, if you want to give us a call this morning and uh, tell me how you feel hearing the news that Tommy Robinson has left the EDL, do you think that the EDL have brought shame to Luton, uh, or, or, or do you buy into what Tommy Robinson is doing, or do you think it's a desperate bid for publicity? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. That's also the number people have been calling Justin to give us suggestions for some jobs for you. Mm. Now, did I hear earlier on that I've been slacking this week? Is Sorry? that what you said? Huh? Yeah, is that what you said? Well. I just, yes. I just think mm-hmm. you. You're, one of your jobs is to go up to people in the street and ask them questions. <whistles> when you resort to, mm. well, yeah, sorry. When you resort to just just standing outside buildings and pressing random buttons on intercoms, right. yeah, that could be viewed as slacking. Okay, yes. so today, you know, topical reaction on yep. the English Defence League. Yep. Uh, yesterday, talking to taxi drivers about a tax. Uh, one man, of course, who told us that that yeah. brutal story that was about how he was pulled out of his taxi. Th- that was pre-recorded. At, that was pre-recorded okay. the day before. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But still means I'm working for you. Yeah, but um, not also, not during the morning when you're supposed to. Also, yeah. yesterday, talking about your first yeah. ever kiss. Just yeah. to give you a few examples there, and you call that slacking? Where I, were you last week, big boy? I was. Well, do you know where I was actually, yeah. Justin? I was very, very poorly in bed. I was resting my voice because if I'd have tried to work any harder, then yeah. the, the, the residents of uh, three counties would have lost me for a month, not just four days. You know what? I would have paid to come to your house to, to literally just sit there and watch you without a voice. Oh! 
heaven. Now, we've got some suggestions. I'm going to move on and we'll discuss this off air. Yeah. We've got some suggestions. Yes. Uh, Sarah says, get him to come and make me a nice cuppa. They're getting the wrong end of the <laughs> stick here, aren't they? <laughs> Ali, Ali's... Oh, no, we've done that one about the potholes. We spoke to um, Chris in Milton Keynes, who says on the A600 between Bedford and Shefford, there are 12 road signs saying 40 miles an hour within the space of 200 metres. Wow. That could be our lead story tomorrow. Oh, mate, come on. Uh, Ken is in Sandy. Morning, Ken. Good morning. Ken, well, you've got a suggestion for Justin, have you? A very good one. Okay, well, we'll be the judge of that. I would like him to come and talk to me about a skydive that I'm doing for for breast cancer and for another charity called uh, Canine Pets. Oh. I'd like him to come to Sandy very quickly, see a... Uh, a DVD of a skydive, mm-hmm. and then what I would like him to do yeah. is to actually do it with me. When are you doing it, Kenneth? On the 31st of uh, October. Oh, just now, Justin, earlier on, you were saying you'd do a skydive for charity. Yeah, now, hang on a second. A skydive on Halloween? That doesn't feel right to me. It's Listen, Ken. Random skydive. Mm-hmm. He won't die. Well, and well. is this? It's for two good causes. Yeah. And uh, well, dogs. And <laughs> thing is that I, I, you can see my website, and, I, and I'm really doing it because the chairman of Central Bedfordshire did have breast cancer. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent mm-hmm. charity, of course it is. Uh, and Ken, I believe you're 76 years old. Right, I was 76 two weeks ago. Okay, so you are 76. We haven't, got, we haven't got much time. We've got 30 seconds. Justin, you fancy mm-hmm. going to, to Ken's house, watching a DVD, then jumping out of an aeroplane with him? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I think this is fair. I think I'm going to leave today. For me to come to Sandy and meet you and watch your DVD, hang on, hang on, I'm going to leave today. However, how about this for a deal? I turn up and we talk to you before and after your skydive and, and, and we maybe, give you lots of publicity. And maybe during the skydive, just. Yes, yes, maybe, but definitely we'll cover that. I shall be there on the day to watch Ken. He's a brave man and I'll be there for him. When you say watch him, I mean mm. w- you could be watching, you could be following out the, the aeroplane with him. Ian, you're relatively new to the BBC. Have you looked at the BBC health and safety policy? No, I'll get knotted. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Traffic continues to build, particularly on the M25. It's getting progressively slower from back at the M11. Now it's stop start all the way through into the roadworks section past Enfield and Tor Potters Bar and then onwards past South Mims. It then gets very busy again after the M1 round toward Kings Langley at Junction 20. Not too bad as yet this morning getting round a little bit further toward the M40, but it is starting to get that little bit busier. Mark Yate, there are some delays on the southbound A5 from Dunstable through Mark Yate down toward the M1. Luton not looking too bad, but maybe slow into Harpenden on the A1081, and the A1M starting to slow up a little bit on the southbound side past Stevenage. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Well, it's official. Justin Dealey is too scared to jump out of an aeroplane with a 76-year-old man. You're disgusted, aren't you? I know I am. Someone else who's disgusted is Catherine Boyle. No, she's disgusting. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 
Seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Robinson leaves racist EDL, St Albans commuter finds rail fare loophole and Stevenage beat MK Dons in Johnston's paint derby. BBC Three Counties Radio. The announcement by the two Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League that they've left the group has been welcomed by one of the town's MPs. Tommy Robinson and his co-founder Kevin Carroll say they can no longer keep extremist elements of the EDL at bay. The MP for Luton South, Gavin Shuka, is now demanding an apology. I would take what Tommy Robinson and Kevin Carroll have done and welcome it. I am welcoming it. But I think it would go with a lot more uh, enthusiasm if they were to apologise for the hell they've put my town through over the last three or four years. A report has highlighted a series of failings in a government programme designed to counter crime and terrorism by gathering information on passengers travelling to and from the UK. Here's our Home Affairs correspondent, Danny Shaw. A target was set to collect data on at least 95% of passenger movements, but inspectors found that only 65% of journeys were being recorded. They also discovered that 649,000 records concerning potential drug and tobacco smuggling over a 10-month period have been deleted from a database in order to prioritise other work. The report says this had a significant impact on the ability of border staff to seize banned items, a claim disputed by the Home Office, which says UK border technology is the most advanced in Europe. The head of MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. In his first public speech, he said there were still several thousand Islamist extremists in the UK. And he also warned revelations like those by American fugitive Edward Snowden made it harder to fight terrorism. New research suggests you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. Researchers from Imperial College and King's College London looked at people living near Heathrow Airport and found that noise from aircraft could contribute to ill health. As a Dorbans man has successfully sued First Capital Connect over the price of his commute, Andrew Myers worked out that it was £700 cheaper if he bought a ticket from North Watford, as Tony Fisher reports. Mr Myers used the ticket for two months before being told it was invalid, but he took First Capital Connect to court and won his case. He said he wanted his day in court because it was a matter of public importance. In a statement, the Association of Train Operating Companies said it was an example of a very obscure error. They said that if other such errors were found, they would look to correct them to make sure all passengers are treated fairly. In sports news, Milton Keynes Dons are out of the Johnston's Paint Trophy after being knocked out last night by Stevenage. They lost 2-1. Wickham, meanwhile, are through to the second round too after winning 2-1 at home to Bristol City and in conference Premier Luton Town drew 3 all at Aldershot. The weather, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Can you believe, I'm disgusted, you're disgusting, that Justin Dealey, <laughs> he noticed, Justin Dealey refuses to jump out of an aeroplane with a 76-year-old pensioner who probably fought in two world wars for us. Wow, I'm well. I don't know whether he would have been old enough to fight in two world wars, but yeah, he's um, he's a passionate pensioner and he should be backed by Justin Dooley. He should totally be backed by Justin Dooley. You know he said tandem skydive? Yeah. That's really easy, isn't it? Of course it is. You just strap yourself to an old man. We've all done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. What a packed show we've got this morning. Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. Well, has he brought shame to your town? 
New research seems to indicate that living near a flight path can actually make you ill. Well, if you have, or indeed you do, live in a flight path, have you noticed a change in your health? And we're at a loose end as to what to do with Justin Dealey today. So to try and justify his position here is, let's be honest, everyone's making cuts, including BBC Three Counties Radio. What would you like to see Justin do this morning? We haven't got much time left now. We've only got two hours. We wasted the first hour with nonsense suggestions. So, these are the ways you can get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call 08459 Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The two Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League have left the group, citing concerns over the dangers of extremism within their group. The head, Tommy Robinson, and his co-founder, Kevin Carroll, announced their stepping down at a press conference in London last night, adding that their group had become part of the problem. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, spoke to Kevin Carroll last night, who told him why they'd left. We've left the English Defence League, myself and Tommy Robinson, because we believe the time is right to make the transition from a street protest movement, which we believe only has a certain shelf life. We believe it's achieved its goals, it's got us to where we are today, and it's been reverberating around the whole globe. We're it's a global um, brand name, the English Defence League. Who better to work with... Muslim organisations in challenging Islamist extremism and, and Nazism than two lads like ourselves that have founded an organisation that have proved, proved our metal, if you like, and are prepared to put their heads on the block. Because, my friend, listen, our lives are ruined. They're happy. The death threats, the attacks, the violence, the, the fear, the, 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 the intimidation... It's constant. But that's what some of the Muslim communities in this country feel they've received from the English Defence League. Yeah, but we were... We've were got for, to accept that. Well, uh, yeah, and I apologise for any innocent Muslims that have felt intimidated by the English Defence League, right? But you have to remember, just imagine how many non-Muslims are scared about... I mean, look, we've got Lee Rigby, we've got 7-7... But all of these are minorities. They're tiny minorities, in the same way that your organisation is, is a minority. Of yeah, but it's not a tiny minority. We, if you were being brutally honest, right, if you were being brutally honest, brutally honest, you would have to say, do you honestly believe that what we're saying, as, like Tommy says, that a lot, a lot of the people won't agree with the tactics, that they won't want to come onto street protests because they think, oh, no, I'm not for that. I agree with what you're saying, 100%. But the street thing, the way it goes on, is not for us. That's millions. But you say it's a global brand name, but it's a, a global brand name you've lost control of because you yourself say that it's been infiltrated by no. far-right groups. No, 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 no. You've, you've, We've not lost control today, of it. Well, We've, we still had control of it. This is what we're saying. But We've, Tommy said he didn't want to be the face of no, an organisation. an organisation that allows was... them to come in as soon as we stop showing up. Now, you have to get it right. What we're saying is that unless we attend every single demonstration, these parasitical vultures, right, these neo-Nazi types fascist, racist, whatever you want to call them, these splinter groups, but well, they're always, always in the wings. But, They'd but, be there, but well, they, now they couldn't you've, come in. You've created a monster, haven't you? Because no. you've, you've, you've basically created a, a group which is now, as you said, a, a honeypot to these sorts of groups, and you've just said, oh, I don't want to do that anymore, and you've walked away. No, what we've got is we've got an organised structure. 
of regional organisers across the country. That's our structure. And then we have divisional leaders. Um, we well, had, they're, they're not working, are they? No, but the regional... They're not keeping those bad people out. No, but what we're, what we're saying is to the regional organisers, we've got a big meeting with them tomorrow. So what we're saying to them is, look, it falls upon you now to remain true to what our core message was, which is non-violent, but we believe that it's run its course. You've made it a busted flush, haven't you? By leaving. Well... The co, the, you know, the co-founders say, we don't believe in this anymore. You're asking them to pull, to pull out. No, what That's we're what asking... have said. You, yeah, 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 said that. You said, you said we'd, like to, we'd, we'd like people to follow we're our lead. We're asking the genuine supporters... Well, so what's that going to leave? The core message. Well, what's that going to leave, though? The, the not genuine supporters under well, the will... old guise of the EDL. No, but if that just leaves the, the extremists and the Nazis and the neo-Nazis and all the racists, then they, was, they were always there. And well, you've created them. a nice little banner for them to stand no, on. No, 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 because we've, 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 took, we've took preventative measures to counter that already. We've, we've maintained control of the website, so they can't use that, and the fan page. So they can't use that. And that is their platform to get it out there to the world and to the 160,000 people plus on it. So they can't use that. Well, that was our political reporter, Paul Scoyne, speaking to Kevin Carroll last night. Uh, I'm joined now by Safiyan Sadiq, who is the chair of the Berry Park Contingency Group, which was set up in reaction to the formation of the EDL. What's your reaction to the news, Safiyan? It's, to to some extent, I I would say it is a positive piece of news that we can look at it and think that there is some hope in the future for places like Luton to have a peaceful future, a more harmonious future. But I think listening to this interview, which I think sheds more light uh, on some of their views and the way they're not stepping back from the fact that neither of them are apologising mm. uh, or stepping back and saying, I, I will stand against, I will stand up and say I was wrong, these views are harsh, uh, I was pushing uh, hate in communities they're not saying that They say that their position was always against radical Islam as opposed to moderate Islam uh, Which is not true uh, they've been in towns like Luton, uh, and they've they've all they've stood up against all members of the community. They've not stood up against just the radical elements. If they wanted to do that, they could have done that. They've gone around all of Britain, causing hate, intolerance. As a result, it's led to people being hurt, people being injured. It's led to young people in prison, young people on both sides in prison because of the hate they're pushing. Quilliam uh, have said that there is a problem with radical uh, Muslims in Luton itself. Well, how would you react to that? And I would agree that there is a problem. It's, we, we cannot deny that there's a problem, but I think just the way Kevin mentioned, there's parasitical vultures perhaps on both sides. Uh, and th- there is a possibility that we can we can work together, but I think what's important here is Tommy and Kevin, neither of them are stepping back and saying that, you know what, I'm sorry for, the, uh, for the, all the pain that I've caused in the last few years. Both of them, they've said they're moving away. I really hope that it's a step in the right direction, but there is no preventative measures, like your reporter said. Uh, I, I don't think taking away the fan page of these paras- from these parasitical vultures is uh, a solution. We're now going to have a group of people that we've always said that, that were pro-Nazi. They, they were pro-Nazi when they came looting, making uh, Nazi chants and uh, uh, salutes. And they're pro-Nazi at the moment. And I think it's about time that he's acknowledged that he's got a huge problem. He's created a monster. But now this monster's going to go around Britain 
actually pushing and really causing more harm and damage because it's got no leadership. Is it going to do... There are two things I... Three things I could see that could happen to the EDL. One is a responsible leader comes in and takes it over and and tries to keep it under under control. The second one is it does get taken over by neo-Nazis and fascists and becomes even more unpleasant. Uh, Or the third thing is it just dies because without Tommy Robinson and and Kevin Carroll pushing it, it just collapses. Is is that not a a potential? There's a hope that it does collapse. I, I sincerely hope it does collapse, but the the chance of finding a responsible person within the EDL, uh, that's absolutely ludicrous because it's full of people that are pushing the same views. They, these are mad people, these are disenchanted people that are exactly the same as the uh, people on the opposite side that they're fighting against. Could you, as chair of the Berry Park Contingency Group, could you see yourself and your organisation working, cooperating with Quilliam? We, we've we put our hand out uh, to Tommy Robinson for the last three years saying sit down let's talk because we do not want to prepare our town every year for a ridiculous march that makes this town look like something in the Middle East, a Gaza strip with barricades and police and riot police on the streets but he's refused to ever step forward and actually talk to us. That for me suggests the fact that it's not and he's not saying it's a change of his view or a change of his opinion. All he is saying is he's taken a different approach and with the uh, uh, with the elections coming up, there's a lot of speculation around why he might be doing what he's doing at why the moment. Why do you think he's doing it? it? It could be possible that he's preparing himself uh, and he wants to keep all of his supporters, his genuine supporters. He might be preparing himself uh, for the elections. And, and I think that's unfortunately a more, far more scary prospect for the people in Luton and communities like Luton because he's trying to make his views more palatable and they're not palatable. He, he has been uh, pushing out views that are pushing hate and causing... You, you say they're not palatable. There are lots of people listening to this now who do actually think that they are palatable, that they think that the, the kind of core message uh, against extremism and against violence um, it, it is actually valid. I, I think it, whatever he says, there's, there's parts of his message. I, I am standing up, and I've said time and time again, 100% behind extremism, 100% uh, behind removing extremism from communities, removing grooming from communities, standing up for the fact that there should be a fair, equal process for everyone. We accept that there's parts of his manifesto and parts of what he says that are what the genuine British public or the white working class are feeling and are going through. And it's not to say that we, we totally disregard that. We do stand up and say that that is there are some valid points but to push it in a me- the way he pushes it and some of the messages that it comes with he, he always has said that he is anti-Muslim uh, uh, he slips up time and time again because it, like last night he's turned around and he said it's only militant Islam but Three weeks ago, he was causing huge issues up in Stopsley when there was a charity football tournament. But he's joined up with with a Muslim organisation or, or, or an organisation that, that has Muslim members. I, and and I hope I, I I'm a person of faith, and I really hope that this is a turning of a page. And tomorrow we will see a, a changed Tommy Robinson. But I do think that we have to step forward with caution. It doesn't mean that he's him going with Quilliam is somehow we've got a magical solution mm. here. That 
that he's going to be more tolerant. Finally, the Berry Park Contingency Group, or you, do you have a relationship with Quilliam? Would you be looking to, to, to start a relationship with Quilliam? We're happy to start a relationship with anyone that is supporting the people of Luton so we do not have to go through what we've been through in the last few years. And I hope that Quilliam and Tommy Robertson step forward if the the parasitical vultures decide to set up a march without him in Luton. Uh, I really hope that they come in mm. and step in between and try and make a difference to the community and really show some positive action, just not just words. Mm. Well, I've just been told that uh, when Paul Scoynes, our political reporter, was speaking to Kevin Carroll last night, the subject of possibly standing up, for, standing for some sort of election was, was raised. Uh, Kevin Carroll said, never, never say never. So it looks like it could be a possibility. Unfortunately, yes. Safiyan Sadiq, uh, Chair of the Berry Park Contingency Group, thank you very much for coming in this Pleasure. morning. 08459 455 555, if you want to have your say on that story, your reaction to the news that uh, Tommy Robinson and co-founder Kevin Carroll have stepped down from the EDL. Good news? Bad news? Indifferent? Do give us a call. It's 7.16. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting busier on the A1M. Southbound, it's slow moving past Stevenage at Junction 7. And if you're using the A1 as your route into London, you're going to find it slow in the usual spot. Through Boreham Wood, it's very busy. From Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner and then onwards down toward Mill Hill. M25 anti-clockwise is stop-start from back in Essex now at the M11, Junction 27, through to Potter's Bar and the roadworks at Junction 24. It's also looking like there's a bit of a queue from the M1 to Kings Langley, Junction 21 to 20, and it's very slow from Maple Cross to the M40 on the cameras, Junction 17 through to 16. The A5 still looking like there's some patchy traffic from Dunstable past Markgate and down toward the M1 at Junction 9. The M1 itself looking pretty good, although a little slow from the Newport Pagnell Services down toward Milton Keynes. I can see a delay on the camera and on the speed sensors around there. Can't see if there's been any sort of an accident or a breakdown, so if you're in the queue and you can see what's causing it if it's more than just congestion give us a call 08459 555. adam glenn bbc three counties radio thank you very much adam it's 7 18 a little bit later than usual but i thought it was worth pursuing that it's wednesday the 9th of october i'm ian lee these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio Luton MP Gavin Shuker is calling on the former leaders of the EDL to apologise to the town for the hell the far-right group put the town through. The head of MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. And in sport, Milton Keynes dons are out of the Johnston's paint trophy after losing 2-1 to Stevenage last night. Coming up, what on earth should Justin Dealey be doing this morning instead of standing out in the car park smoking tabs? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... 30 years ago, Doug Moody set up the Green Bank Music School in Luton with a philosophy that music should be fun. It was getting other people involved and just doing everything. I'm just a person that just loves to do things. Nick Coffer. EOS have decided that for their September show, they'll be performing their version of the Tony Award-winning musical Rent. 525,600 minutes. Quirkology follows the clumsy, endearing life of Rupert Quirk. 
A lot of people have actually said, you know, he's just uh, an exaggerated version of himself. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call now, this morning um, we're talking about living near the flight path of uh, uh, aeroplanes. Apparently... Well, apparently it can make you ill. That's according to new research uh, that you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. Researchers from uh, colleges in London looked at people living near Heathrow Airport and found that the noise from aircrafts could contribute to ill health by raising blood pressure or by disturbing people's sleep. Well, in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, we, of course, have Luton Airport. Well, this is the sound of someone's back garden in Breachwood Green in Hertfordshire, which is on the flight path to the airport. It's pretty noisy, isn't it? Pretty, pretty noisy. Now, Justin Dealey has been in the village. Justin, who have you been speaking to? Oh, I'll tell you what, Ian, that's actually pretty scary. When you're standing in somebody's back garden and that plane is going just above your head, that's a, a pretty scary experience. I've been talking to Nigel Dumb. Nigel moved to the village a year ago, and he asked him to describe just how bad the aircraft noise is. Uh, the private jets aren't as bad. The big commercial jets like the EasyJet, etc., horrendous. And the nighttime flights, which I believe are freight, just wake me up. I can honestly say I don't think I've had a whole night's sleep without taking sleeping pills in a year. Seriously? Honestly. So it's strange. There's a TV programme on the moment about anxiety attacks and panic attacks and stress, and that's exactly what you get from this because you never know when the next plane's going over. Um, Sunday night between 9 and 10, there'll be four or five planes. We have to pause your TV because you can't hear. We're not running as far. We're not going to the gym because you feel tired. You, you go to bed, you know you'll be woken up during the night a few times. You know by 6 o'clock you've got planes going off every 10, 15 minutes. You can hear another one just about Here to come in Here comes a plane now. coming in right now. Yeah, when he's busy. Listen to this, now we're standing in your back garden. noisier. So that's one of the Wiz planes. Yeah, Wiz. You can see how much noisier. That has literally gone landing. above our heads. Yeah, that's landing. So you almost see the pilot. When they're taking off in this direction, that that noise is virtually doubled and depending on the wind direction they choose whether they're landing over us or taking off over us but yeah if you imagine that on full thrust coming over over you trying to take off absolutely horrendous you can't have a barbecue and keep chatting you've got to stop wait for it to go and in a minute you'll hear the engines cutting back and uh, a lot of noise and then it's on a good day you get all the residual noise come as the air is filling back in where the jet's gone through so no, it's actually quite scary isn't it yeah yeah the kids don't like it well they didn't they've got they've adjusted better as you might have heard the dog earlier, the dog also goes a bit mad when the planes go over. So, yeah, now you can hear. So even though it's landed, you still get more noise yeah. coming back in off the plane. So you're concerned about your health living here in yeah. this village? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And for other people's. And I don't have a good sense of smell, but everybody else comes say they can smell the aviation fuel, particularly on takeoff. Mm-hmm. So, again, that can't be doing us any good. You shouldn't sniff petrol, so you shouldn't be sniffing aviation fuel. Has your work been affected by this? I drink a lot more coffee at work. I never used to drink coffee, but I would probably drink six black coffees a day, every day, which, again, probably isn't helping the situation. <laughs> I mean, the, the key thing for me, just lastly, the key thing, uh, we've heard a private jet go over. We've heard a commercial jet go over. You moved here a year ago. Now, as nice as this may be, why did you move here? Because it is so nice. It is a detached house, beautiful gardens. You can't see from here. We have beautiful apple trees. 
safe for the kids to run around in mm-hmm. and um, our children growing up that they needed to have their own room so this was the place on the market mm-hmm. that could get walked them to school because they've got beautiful school here and uh, everything else bar the noise is perfect you must have been warned about it when you finally moved in did you realize wow this is actually a lot worse than what i thought it was going to be yeah because we, t- we tended to view it on a sunday when it's not as busy mm. um whereas now i have tuesdays off and i'm aware <laughs> of how noisy a tuesday is as you've you've yeah. noticed in the last 20 minutes well so. it's it's been an eye-opener i'm um, talking to you about um the noise and also how it's affected your life i appreciate your time thank well, you very much cheers justin nice to meet you thank you very much well justin is obviously uh, it, it, it does affect people doesn't it it does and i think a lot of people looking at this uh, this report yesterday when it was first sent to us it was embargoed and of course out today for the public to see some people may have looked at it and said well this report has got absolutely no credibility by saying that you're more at risk of having a stroke or uh, getting heart disease if you live near an airport but when you actually go somewhere like Breachwood green on the flight path you hear those stories people on sleeping pills anxiety attacks uh, uh, more stressed out you can kind of go along with w- what this report is actually saying justin thank you very much we'll speak to you a bit later on listening to that was professor kevin mcconway from buckinghamshire's open university good morning kevin morning uh, now you've looked at this research is it uh, credible uh, yeah, it's credible, but with some reservations. Uh, I mean, I don't think you can say it's proved beyond doubt that it's the aircraft noise that's causing these um, increases in, in, in heart disease and strokes. Um, because of the technical questions about the, the way they did the report. But it's a very thorough report. They dealt with everything they could deal, and it provides pretty good indicative evidence. What they actually say is they don't say they proved it for sure. I mean, that, that, that's quite important. What they say is this needs more work to establish exactly what's going on, um, different kinds of study things that deal with um, certain other aspects and so on. So uh, they're not saying it's the final answer, but it's a good piece of work. Because the, the, the thing that struck me initially was that surely the, the, if you live in directly under a flight path, there is a chance that that property will be cheaper, that you might be on a lower income, and that could be having an effect on your stress and your heart conditions and things, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, that's possible. Now, they, they did try to allow for that uh, to the extent that their data um, would allow it. Um, because, it, I mean, it's certainly the case that, you know, different people living under the flight path will be having slightly different conditions. And there's this aspect that they looked at areas, they didn't look at individual people, and that is really one of the main reasons why it's difficult, it's difficult to... to um, interpret uh, but they did try to allow for how many poor people live in these areas right. um, yeah are there any parallels we can draw from this research about heathrow uh, with luton uh, well it's kind of difficult to draw them directly i mean you know if it is if it really is that it's the aircraft noise causing this well you know as we just heard uh, the aircraft noise can be pretty bad um near many airports and near Luton mm. and so on. Um, it's not on the same scale. I mean, they found that this, if, you know, assuming this effect is real, and as I say, that's an assumption, it doesn't affect, it, it affects about 120,000 people mainly around Heathrow, which is quite a lot. Now, uh, if you look at the way they measured the noise, and um, one could be critical of that as well, um, there aren't so many people that live within that noise level near Luton. Mm. Um, there, there's maybe about 2,000. Now, I mean, 2,000 is you know, quite a few, but it's, 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 it's not on the same scale. I and mean, the other thing is that there's another study that's also been published uh, j- just today um, of airports in America, and they 
uh, found actually quite a range of results from different airports. I mean, they actually found using a similar kind of methodology that in some airports, near some airports, the people who lived in the noisiest areas actually had a lower risk of heart disease. Now, I don't believe that's because of the noise. I believe it's because their methodology is a bit limited and it doesn't always give you appropriate answers. But the point is that not all airports work in exactly the same way. So we can't say it's definitely like this at Luton, um, but it's certainly giving a hint that it might well be. Kevin, thank you very much indeed. Kevin McConway from uh, the Open University. If you live uh, near an airport or near a runway, or well, both those things, I would imagine, uh, would be uh, combined. Uh, has it affected you? Have you noticed a change in your sleeping habits, in your lifestyle, in your stress levels? Do give me a call, 08459 455 555. The research like this does leave me kind of slightly scratching my head and going, what? What did they say? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR is uh, the uh, Facebook page if you want to... We're still desperately trying to find something decent for Justin Dealey to do this morning. Bearing in mind, we only have an hour and a half left on the show. We we, we might struggle. Um, There's some of these on Facebook. I'd like him to cycle from one... Oh, this is good. Um, I'd like him to cycle from one end of the busway to the other. Just curious as to how long it would take. <laughs> Drake said... Well, Drake, it's slightly unfair. I'm using a, a slightly old picture, but Drake says, there must be a tanning salon open. He could do with a top-up by the looks of it. Well, he always could. Get him go to the shop and get a small box of PG tips. Ask the cashier if he can pay for just one and have a tea bag out of the box, as he only needs one. Do this at every shop. Go. Well, I don't know if we could do that. Um, send him to Leighton Buzzard uh, to find Johan, the guy who's been wandering around town for years with his guitar. Uh, and Darren, uh, now we're entering the... Oh, okay. Now we're entering the winter period. Well, Darren, this ties in with what Dave from Luton said earlier, but it's the exact converse. Dave was concerned that the streetlights were being left on too long. And Darren's saying, now we're entering uh, the winter period and the nights are drawing in. It will be great if he could ask people what they think of the streetlights remaining off after midnight. And finally, Carolyn says, I'd recommend he goes out to look for an open shop somewhere in the three counties where he could buy a new coat. Well, isn't that rude, but fair. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, we've got delays. It's an accident now on the hard shoulder at Junction 14 Milton Keynes. And I did spot the queue on the cameras. Thank you to Steve and to Ryan who've both called us about that one. It was a lorry and a car involved in that one, but they're both now on the hard shoulder. So it's just short delays past the scene, tailing back to Newport Pagle and the services. Further down southbound, it's slow moving from Luton at Junction 10 toward Redbourne at Junction 9. The A5 quite busy in patches from Dunstable down to Redbourne as well. The A1M, it's quite busy from Hitchin to Stevenage. Junction 8 to 7, then slow into London Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Also quite busy in Chesant this morning on the A10. This is southbound as you approach the M25. Anti-clockwise traffic looks slow on the M25 from back at the M11 all the way to Potter's Bar going into and through the roadworks. Then you've got a queue from the M1 to Kings Langley and slow traffic from Maple Cross to the M40. No train or tube problems though. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The 
7.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Luton MP Gavin Shuker is calling on the former leaders of the English Defence League to apologise to the town for the hell the far-right group put it through. The head of MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. And research from two London universities suggests you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stephen Edge through to the second round of the Johnstons Paint Trophy after beating MK Dons 2-1, knocking them out of the competition. The Borough boss, Graham Wesley, praised one of his goal scorers, Francois Zocco. It was so refreshing, I think, to see a lad just pop up in the right place at the right time and, uh, you know, to release the pressure off the team because I think when you look at the front of the team and it's not performing and scoring and when you're relying on young lads who are trying so, so hard, but sometimes you know what it's like, the harder you try, the, the worse things get um, and, and, you know, made a big contribution to winning the Meanwhile, the Don's manager, Carl Robinson, didn't hold back with his frustration. That 45 minutes was a, was a distant distant performance for us so far this season. It's the worst 45 minutes probably of the season. We just reverted to a style of football that into us and one or two didn't want to work hard. The whole team didn't turn it in. It was just one or two little individual performances which they, they need to learn a lesson from very quickly. Better performance from Wickham, a 2-1 win for them at home to Bristol City, sees the chair boys through to round two. Billy Knott and Matt Bloomfield were the scorers at Adams Park last night and here's what boss Gareth Ainsworth had to say about Bloomfield. For him to score, he uh, he actually was at fault for their, their goal, so he, he came in and said sorry for that. I said don't worry Bloom, you got the winner and, uh, and what a goal it was. Left foot as well, uh, he, uh, he seems to be coming on. And in conference premier, Luton Town drew three all at Aldershot. Hatter's manager John Stills now looking ahead to the weekend. We've got lots of people that can score goals. We'll score goals. No problems with scoring goals. And I know that we can stop conceding goals because we've done that already. You know, our, our record this year is, is fantastic. But we can see you free Saturday and we can see you free tonight. It's too many goals. So back to work on Thursday. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots of you getting involved this morning, which I like. Uh, we're talking about Tommy Robinson leaving the EDL. Um, we're asking about how you, uh, you feel about that. Do you trust him? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think that the EDL have shamed your town? Math has texted in, 81333, starting his text 3CR. The Muslim community should stop pushing for an apology, perhaps, and acknowledge why it started, and quickly move into the vacuum and grass up their own extremists first. Who's, who's, who's asking for an apology? Oh, the gentleman we had earlier on wanted to, the, 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 Tommy Robinson to, to apologise for the violence that the EDL has wrought. That doesn't seem necessarily a bad thing. Math, does it? I mean, that gentleman, the, the Muslim community, I would say, is not specifically responsible for any atrocities that have carried out. It's the extremist. But if you're the head of an organisation like the EDL, then you, you have to have some sort of responsibility, don't you? Don't you? Or maybe not. 08459 555. We're looking for jobs for Justin today. We haven't got long, and we need to get him to do them. So um, 08459 555 555 uh, is the phone number. Some of you have been tweeting me, at Ian Lee, with your suggestions as well. Mike says, get me a loaf and ten Bensons. Oh, dearie me. Pete says, why is he dressed like a scarecrow? That's not fair. And Gary says, ask the people of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, what do you think? Len's in Hemel. Morning, Len. Good morning. You got a job for Justin? Yeah. I'd like him to go into Hemel around about 10 o'clock and walk, try to walk along with a blind cane 
uh, from the old market square to Bridge Street yes. to see if we can avoid all the products and everything that's on the public footpath. Oh. The council seem to be doing nothing about it and ask these shops if they've actually got a licence to put the stuff out So there. where, Len, tell me where exactly this is. This in, it's in the Marlows. Yeah. From the old market square. Yeah. Down towards Bridge Street. Okay, and you're obviously blind. I'm totally blind. And what kind of things are happening as you're walking down with your stick? Well, you're just walking into things. You you, you know, you walk into signboards, A boards, uh, street stuff put on like fruit and veg on the mm. actual shop windows. Go, Len, can I permission to speak freely? Yeah. Could it be that you're not very good with your white stick and you need to go on a course? I've done this for for 15 years now. And have um, you all have you always been banging into things? No. No, okay, because good. Because the, these have, uh, obstacles just been put out onto the footpaths. Right, okay. That must be very very annoying. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I say a few choice words sometimes. Have you ever done yourself a mischief as a result of this stuff? Yes. Yeah. I have. I st- I came past the restaurant the other day, tables and chairs outside, mm. and a signboard at the side of it, cutting the footpath down to one foot. So oh. I went to the side, and what happened, I stepped off the pavement and got hit in the back by a taxi. Oh, no! Because it's right near the taxi rank. Well, Len, I don't know if you've heard Justin this morning, he seems very reluctant to do anything. Well, today. perhaps he could go to the local council to find out what they're going to do about it. Len, I, I, will put it, I will put it to him later on this morning. I appreciate your suggestion. And if we don't get Justin to look at it today, then maybe someone else in our team will pick it up at a later date. OK, thank you very much. Len, thank you very much. Can we get... Um, let's jot that down, because that's, that's quite an interesting... We've done street furniture before, um, so maybe we'll look at that at a later date, because I suspect Justin's just, just outside having a tab. Doesn't seem that bothered about doing anything today. 08459 four double five five double five. Now, have your children, or indeed your grandchildren, ever been robbed in the street? Bedfordshire police say youngsters aged between 11 and 20 are being regularly targeted by criminals, often involving violence. Latest figures show more than one in five street robberies are carried out on youngsters. The criminals themselves are often teenagers too. Well, BBC reporter Neil Bradford has spoken to youngster Aaron Mead from Houghton Regis, who was held at knife point and is now scared to go out. I was walking back from the shop, getting the morning paper about half past ten. A shadow gets a bit close, you turn to look to see what's happening behind you and next thing I know there's a knife held to my stomach. You try and stay as calm as as you possibly can but obviously panic does start to kick in so I I handed over my iPod which was the first thing I could think to give. And then as soon as I gave him the iPod he'd, he'd walked away. Immediately afterwards just you're scared to leave home basically you you sort of if ever you want to do something you you sort of ask someone oh do you mind coming to the shop with me which is a hundred yards away or if not i'd I'd take my car and drive to the end of the street if i had to sort of thing like just for that extra bit of security well it does have a devastating effect that was aaron mead from house and regis speaking to bbc reporter neil bradford i'm joined now by richard denton from beds police he is a children and young people development officer and a schools coordinator uh, richard why are these street robberies happening 
Oh, good morning, Ian. Thank you for the opportunity for speaking with you. Uh, what we found in 2012, we were having an increased number of young people being robbed by other young people. What we tended to find was a lot of the young people were seeing it as an addition to bullying. If you look historically, going back, um, you know, a number of young people used to take dinner money from each other, and with the new technology that comes through, it kind of moved on to mobile phones, smartphones, Blackberries, anything else they could get their hands on. So we decided in 2012 that we needed to do a lot more work with young people. So that was through education, but also through uh, tactics on the street. So we've been into a number of schools across Bedfordshire to deliver education um, materials focusing on prevention but also on what we call offender deassurance that's making young people aware that if they're involved in street robberies or commit street robberies there are actually serious consequences to that what what other tactics are you employing you mentioned you're employing tactics on the street what are they well, tactics on the street, we were obviously identifying areas where street robberies were taking place. And we were finding that a lot of young people weren't reporting street robberies to us. So we did a lot of work in school to say, if you're the victim of a street robbery, it's really important that you let the police know as would the police, if, if I know that if I were to phone up and say, oh, I've just had my phone nicked, did you, did you get a description of the fella? No. Is he, is he still there? No. Well, there's not a lot we can do. The, the, practically, the police can't do much, can they, if anything? I mean, we would certainly send an officer out to go and have a conversation with any young person that's involved in a street robbery. It builds up a bigger picture for us. If at the time the, uh, the young person that's been robbed doesn't know who committed or can't give very good a description, it still builds up an intelligence picture for us where we're able to identify certain streets, certain areas of Bedfordshire where these robberies are taking so place. So the police would, if a young person phones up and says, I've had my phone next, the police would go out and speak to them? We would arrange for an officer to go out and have an appointment with them. Obviously, if they call us in the street where a robbery has just taken place, we would look at that differently. If we have an opportunity for us to catch the offender, we would turn up at the street uh, and, and have an opportunity to try and catch the offender. If the offence has happened an hour or so ago and they've arrived back at home, we would arrange for an officer to go and have a conversation with that young person at home. What can parents do to help? Well, kind of our advice with young people is, first of all, not having the attitude that it won't happen to them. Although this type of crime is relatively rare, a lot of young people do think that they're pretty safe and it would never happen to them. So it's being smart, thinking, not carrying that mobile phone in an obvious manner. It's thinking about not flashing cash. We found that a lot of street robberies, especially around mobile phones, take place when the victim is holding their phone to their ear on a, on a phone call and somebody will run up and actually just grab that phone, phone and run off. But that's what phones are for. You're saying don't use phones for phones. No, not saying that. What we're saying is think carefully. If you're in a darkened area, an area that you're not sure of, or you're feeling a bit unsafe, then it might not be the greatest idea in the world to get the phone out at that time. Richard, th- I appreciate your, your, your time this morning. Thank you very much, and good luck uh, with the work you're doing. Richard Denton from Beds Police. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. By the way, the Beds Police, any police force that want to use my slogan, don't use phones for phones, you're more than welcome to. I, I, I impress myself. That, that would take advertising agencies or, or committees, that would take them months to come up with that and thousands of pounds to come up with a catchy, snappy slogan. I've got one to stop youth crime. Don't use phones for phones. Beautiful. It says it all. Don't analyse it too much. It doesn't make that much sense. Uh, Charlie's in Hemel. Morning, Charlie. Good morning, Ian. What have you called in about, sir? Uh, well, you just talking to one of my near neighbours, uh, Lenny, the oh, blind Len, Len, Lenny the blind bloke, yes. Well, uh, I totally agree with what he's saying. All right. Uh, I do actually follow him and watch him. What? Uh, as he's going through the town. Why would you do that? 
Uh, well, just look out for him. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, you're not stalking him. I misunderstood. So this this, this was this was uh, Len who was saying that, that some of the streets in Hemel uh, uh, that there is too much furniture on the streets, set out yeah. by shops, signs, things like that. And as a blind person, he struggles. And in fact, he got hit by a taxi the other day, avoiding yeah. a sign outside a restaurant. He also a couple of years ago fell into the local water gardens when he got off a bus before they put a rail in along there. Oh, that's terrible. Stepped off and straight in. But uh, see, he relies. That on, is awful. He relies on windows and shop doors to find his way along. Right. Okay. If you're going along, yeah, uh, and you're tapping against her, yeah, right, all of a sudden you hit a, a barrel load of feet and or tables and chairs. I bought things like that. I can totally understand what he's saying. Do we know if these shops have got permission to put these things here? Because I know yeah. that they have a certain amount of leeway with, with how much of the, the pavement they can take up. Do you think they're chancing their arm a little bit, Charlie? Uh, well, there's a shop down uh, in Hamel Hampstead itself have actually had a cycle rack outside to sell the second-hand push bikes and things. Yeah. Uh, and they were told to take it in. So it's only allowed, I think, two A-boards. Uh, I think it's supposed to be... Uh, two two metres away from the actual shop entrance. Right. Listen, Charlie. We're gonna. We're gonna. I think we're gonna look at this. We we won't send Justin out today because I no. think this might take a little bit more investigation than uh, that slacker can give in just the last hour of the show. But uh, we'll, I'll have a chat with my team, Charlie, and we'll we'll definitely get someone to have a look at this. Maybe this week or maybe next week. If you can get in touch with Lenny, because I'm sure if you was to sort of follow him for. A three or four feet back and see the struggle he has. Well, we won't follow him, but, but maybe it might be nice. You're, you're, you're writing the piece for me. We'll send Justin out with him or someone out with him to walk down that street and see how he gets on. Oh, I appreciate that. Charlie, thank you very much for, for your call. That's, that's, that will be a cracking little feature. We'll send Justin out with uh, Lenny. Justin's just walked in. He's waving at me. <laughs> Morning, Justin. Why, why aren't you out? Why aren't you out doing something, for goodness sakes? Why, why aren't you out there on the street doing doing something, doing a little bit of work, doing doing something? Why aren't you talking to me now? What on earth is going on with you, man? What's your problem? My problem is we've got these brilliant stories. I mean, genuinely brilliant stories. Some of them are a bit slack. Math, who want, or someone wants you to go and get them 10 Benson. Yeah. No. <laughs> but some of these stories are cracking. Yeah. Why aren't you out doing stuff? What are you in the studio for? Well, the Hemel story I'll be doing tomorrow, uh, right. no doubt. I've sent a message about that already, and um, I shall be going back out in a second. I've done about three stories for you already this morning. What is your problem, you slave driver? You haven't done three stories. You've done two stories. Uh, yes, but three times. Yeah, OK. Yeah. You, let's get the, the, you've done two stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another hour and a quarter of the show left. What, what have you yes. got planned for that, then, Just? Well, tell us what you want me to do, and I'll go and do it. I've been telling you! Oh, so all right. Okay. So hang on, your show finishes at 9 o'clock, yep. correct? Yes. Let's go to Hemel at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's not possible for your show, correct? No, okay, right. Okay. David Luton has called in. Mm-hmm. He wants you to find out um, about the lights being left on at night in Luton. He says it's a waste of money. At night, not before 9 o'clock. Next. But you can go out <laughs> and you can get people's opinions on that. Quite possibly, yes, yes. W- would you like that? Yes, I would. Seriously? I would like that, You think that's a big story? I think that you should go out. Yes. Do as you're told. Okay, bye. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
On the M40 southbound, there's a lane blocked. This is an accident with two cars involved, and it's around Junction 3 at Loudwater. Do approach with care. Lane 3 is blocked. One of the vehicles involved hit the central reservation near to Junction 3. Police are aware and dealing with that now. Southbound on the M1, there's slow traffic. We had an accident a little earlier this morning. That's now on the hard shoulder as you go past Junction 14 at Milton Keynes. There was a lorry and a car involved in that one. Pretty slow on the approach. Tailbacks are almost back toward Junction 15, past the Newport Pagnell Services and back up toward Northampton. People are getting caught up in that, making their way down past there. Further southbound, it's slow from Luton toward Redbourne, Junction 10 to 9, and some people are heading onto the A5 instead, so you've got some patchy traffic from Dunstable down toward the M1 at Redbourne. We've had a few calls suggesting there might be problems with the traffic lights at Mark Yate, but we haven't had any updates on that, so if anyone's driven through there, if they're phasing badly or if there's any sort of problem, do let us know. The A1M southbound, looking slow from Stevenage at Junction 8 and 7, and then into London, the A1 busy Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. You've got M25 delays through the roadworks, slow from the M1 to Kings Langley, busy Maple Cross to the M40. If you can update us, 08459 Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Speak to you before eight. Right now it's 7.47, it's Wednesday the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton MP Gavin Shuker is calling on the former leaders of the EDL to apologise to the town for the hell the far-right group has put it through. The head of MI5, Andrew Parker, has said the security service is tackling terrorist threats on more fronts than ever before. In sport, Stevenage are through to the second round of the Johnston's Paint Trophy after beating MK Don. 2-1, knocking them out of the competition. Coming up, a St. Al- David and Goliath stories, don't we love them? A St Albans commuter has successfully sued First Capital Connect over a ticket row. Cracking story, we'll find out what it is after the weather with Wendy. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, hello, good morning. Well, we've still got the mild weather with us. Temperatures 12 or 13 degrees across the three counties at the moment. We've also got hints of brightness on the horizon, but there will be a fair amount of cloud knocking around today, unfortunately. And we should get temperatures up to about 16 or maybe 17 degrees Celsius. So as I say, cling on to that milder weather, but it's all change overnight. This evening we'll see the skies clear after perhaps one or two showers here and there. And the temperature overnight will fall to 16 or 7 degrees Celsius all the time. The wind is going to be increasing from a north or northwesterly direction as well. And so a very different feel to things first thing tomorrow morning. Probably quite a lot of sunshine, but a really quite stiff breeze blowing and temperatures only in single figures. And we'll probably only get to about 10 or 11 by the afternoon. With that, we will have a little bit of more cloud and some showers uh, throughout tomorrow afternoon. So all in all, a sudden, a very autumnal feeling day. And it sets us off on Friday and Saturday into a more sort of autumnal feel to things. There will be some showers around Friday morning, a drier, brighter afternoon. The temperature picking up a tiny bit, but it's still going to be a blustery day. And then we'll be back to around 13 or 14 degrees over the weekend, but it's still going to be uh, rather unsettled. Yeah, so it's going to be very different standing on the train platform tomorrow morning to what it was this morning. Be prepared. Thank you, Wendy. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talk.
Talking Point. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this is a cracking story. We all love stories of the small man against the faceless company, don't we? A St Albans commuter has successfully sued First Capital Connect over a ticket row. Andrew Myers noticed that passengers in North Watford were paying £700 less for a season ticket. So, although he lives in St Albans, he bought the season ticket from North Watford uh, instead, but was told after two months of travelling on it that it was invalid. Well, he took the train company to court and he won. Andrew joins me now. Morning, Andrew. Good morning. How did you discover this anomaly? Um, I was shocked at how much the annual season was. Uh, I looked around to see if there was uh, perhaps uh, a journey that that was cheaper or could be uh, done in two legs. And I saw that this was cheaper. Uh, The website uh, from the National Rail Inquiry specifically says that if it's shown on the journey plan as a through route with one ticket, you can use your ticket. So I bought it. So it was, explain, did this affect your journey at all? You were still doing the same journey? Oh, of course. And it was 700 quid cheaper? Yes. It is a testimony as to how high the fares are on the first Capital Connect line that that is the case. So you use it for a couple of months, everything's fine. When did you first realise there might be a problem? Uh, When in January um, a uh, ticket inspector refused me uh, access, I showed him a printout of the website showing uh, that it says you can use it by uh, St Albans, and he said, oh, the website must be wrong. Uh. That's the National Railway's inquiry's website. No, it must be wrong. You have to buy another ticket. So you met a Jobsworth. Always wonderful people to to come across. What happened next? Um, I asked him to check with his manager. His manager, to be fair, looked at it, came back to me a week later and said, sorry, website must be wrong. I said, oh, terribly sorry. Um, I'll have to see you then. <laughs> so it took a what in this week? Were you just buying individual tickets yes, then? Yes, so, I mean, I take the point that you have to have a valid ticket. Yes, yeah, uh, and they were they were denying it, you, you, and you did take them to court. That seems a huge step to do. I, most people would surely go, "Oh, for goodness' sake, I'll, I'll just pay the difference." That is sadly the case. Actually, the courts are more accessible than you might think. The small, if it's less than ten thousand pounds, there's a small claims track which is meant to be accessible by people who aren't lawyers. Although, as it happens, I am. Ah, 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 I see. Now I can understand why you were so so keen to push it through. So you, you took it to court, and, and was, was it a clear-cut case? I would say so. Um, and first, cap- what is quite annoying is that First Capital spoke to the Association of Train Operating Companies, which runs this whole routing uh, and ticketing system, mm. uh, and, was, and they were told, oh, it's valid, and they knew it was, uh, the, the route was valid. And yet they still filed a defence denying liability. And I don't think that was the right thing for them to have done. What happened at the end of the, co- the, the, the case? You obviously uh, got the thumbs towards up. Towards the end they caved. They wanted to settle on, uh, on, on the basis, uh, on quotes, a non-disclosure basis. Right. In other words, to, got... to gag you, so to shut you up. Yeah, that was the term. I said, that's not acceptable. Uh, I went to court uh, the Friday before last, uh, and the uh, they'd just sort of given up by that stage. The judge found in favour. And what is interesting is normally on the small claims court, 
uh, costs are not awarded. Um, but they are where the judge has found that one party uh, has acted uh, unreasonably. And that's what he found in this case. So you because got... First Capital Connect had um, defended the case uh, when they knew that this was a valid route and these tickets were valid. So you got £700. Uh, so, how much, so how much money did you get in the end? I, I got, in the end, because I had to buy the ticket and the yep. court fees and the interest, uh, just under £2,200. Good for you. Well done. And every time you get on now with that, that ticket, do you kind of give them a smug smile? I don't, but uh, every time I go to... Uh, every time I, I, I come to the station, I, I do think, you know, the small man fought and the, uh, and the small man won. Well, surprisingly, First Capital Connect wouldn't come on uh, the programme this morning, but they, they sent us a huge statement. I, I will read bits of it. I'm keen to get your reaction. Uh, a passenger, that's you, uncovered a previously unknown apparent historic routing guide anomaly, right, that dated back to the days of British Rail. Clearly, we will evaluate carefully and with respect what the court has said. In the meantime, and by way of context, oh, and then it just goes on with this interminable nonsense, we queried the issue with ATOC, the Association of Train Operating Companies. Uh, they subs- subsequently advised us they had rectified the apparent anomaly, but that turns out not to have been the case. They're not basically putting their hands up and saying, we were wrong, Governor, sorry. Uh, No, I think it is particularly bad when a big company defends a case that's indefensible because, as you say, most people give up. I think anyone who's bought a ticket from St Albans since March, when First Cavalier Cadet were told that this was a valid route, Mm. will ask the question, why have you sold me a ticket that is £700 a year more expensive than one that I, uh, I needed? And is there any legal recourse for those people, or is it, you know, buyer beware? Uh, it's not for me to say, right. um, but I, I would, if I was in that uh, situation, I would say, why did you not sell me the cheapest ticket? Mm. Um, because I think that is very naughty, knowing there's a cheaper ticket and selling a more expensive one to passengers. ATOC have, uh, uh, ATOC have uh, issued a statement. Tickets and travel cards from Watford, Watford North to London are not valid via St Albans. This was an error that has been corrected, and information systems are being updated as quickly as possible. Is that right? Have you checked since? It, it's not for me to say, um, but um, my understanding actually is that it's the Department of Transport that is considering the request mm. by ATOC to close this loophole. Andrew, listen, thank you so much for coming on, and, and well done. You give hope to all of us. Well, sometimes you have to fight. You certainly do. That's, uh, it's a cracking story, Andrew Myers. So he was paying 700 quid more for his travel card. So he went and bought it somewhere else, and uh, he got hauled up can't use that sir i don't uh, listen thank you andrew for that by the way train inspectors ticket inspectors isn't there something there's something special about those people they don't listen to any form of reason i've lost my ticket i remember having such an argument with uh this cocky little so-and-so on um, the Docklands Light Railway, a thing I'd never used before. If you ever used Docklands Light Railway in London, it's not always obvious where you swipe in and where you swipe out. It's not, they're not always obvious. And this little so-and-so, he was about 24, got on. Can I check your ticket, sir? Yeah. You've not swiped in. Why have you not swiped in? I didn't know where to. Sorry. Can I swipe now? No, sir, that's going to be a... F- I had to pay a fine of, like, 30 quid or something ridiculous. And, he w- I, I, and I said, look, check my ticket. You'll see. I've swiped it about eight times today. I'm not trying to avoid paying the fare. Sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you've not swiped in. Oh, for goodness sakes. Give them a suit, a hat, and a machine to hang around their neck. They become... 
Well, they become the worse than prison guards in the, in the Second World War. Getting slightly lost in my analogy there. I'll back out of that as, as quickly as I can. But uh, it, it, they, they are tough people to deal with, aren't they? 08459 455 555 if you want to give us uh, your stories on that. Don't forget as well, you can get in touch with me at any point uh, during the show or after the show. You can email me, ian.lee, I-A-I-N. I spell it correctly, the proper way, the Scottish way, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. If you want to talk about anything that's happening in the show, or if you've got any ideas or suggestions that uh, you might want to take part in the show. We're already picked up on this story from Lenin Hemel, the uh, the blind fellow who's having trouble walking down his high street. It looks like we're going to be reporting on that tomorrow. So if you've got a story for us, do get in touch. Right, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've still got delays on the M40, I'm afraid. Southbound still looking slow after an accident at Loudwater, Junction 3. Lane 3 was the one that was blocked. They've moved the vehicles out of the way, though, but there's still congestion back to Junction 4 at High Wycombe. If you're going further into London, along the M40 and the A40, there are problems way into London as get far down as Perivale. There was broken-down vehicle, but that's caused queues all the way back as least as far as Uxbridge and the Swakeley's roundabout, so not far from the end of the M40. M1 still looking slow southbound. There was an accident on the hard shoulder now, at Milton Keynes, Junction 14. A little bit busy further down Luton to Redbourne. A5 th- a slow through Dunstable and down past Markgate toward Redbourne. We have had reports of problems with the traffic lights through there. Not yet confirmed, though. A1M a bit busy past Stevenage. M25 slow through the roadworks and also busy from the M1 to the M40. If you can update us, 08459 455 555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up in the next hour of the show, your thoughts on Tommy Robinson standing down as head of the EDL. Is it good news? Or are you slightly suspicious of his motives? Here's Catherine with the news. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, EDL leaders step down, street robbers target young victims and St Albans commuter finds rail fare loophole. BBC Three Counties Radio. Twelve senior members of the Luton-based English Defence League have announced they're stepping down. Leader Stephen Lennon, also known as Tommy Robinson, told BBC Three Counties Radio his decision was prompted by the growing number of racist groups attaching themselves to the EDL. Meanwhile, his cousin and co-founder Kevin Carroll feels they've taken the group as far as they can. Who better to work with Muslim organisations in challenging Islamist extremism and, and Nazism than two lads like ourselves that have founded an organisation that have proved, proved our metal, if you like, and are prepared to put their heads on the block. More on this coming up next with Ian Lee. A new report says a multi-million pound system designed to prevent suspected criminals and terrorists travelling to the UK has a series of failings. The e-borders programme is designed to gather information about every passenger arriving in or leaving the country. But the Independent Chief Inspector of Borders and Immigration, John Vine, found that fewer of two-thirds of journeys were covered. The aspirations have been very laudable, but I have to say that over the last ten years and having spent half a billion pounds of public money and what my report shows today is that the uh, achievements have been limited to say the least. 
Bedfordshire police say 11 to 20-year-olds have become prime targets for violent criminals. The latest figures show that one in five street robberies involves a young victim and the perpetrators are often teenagers too. Richard Denton is Bedfordshire's Children and Young People Development Officer. And we certainly had about 12 to 18 months ago a real issue in Bedfordshire with street robberies. And we've put a lot of investment, a lot of work with schools and other education settings to deliver educational programmes to improve the problem. And the good news is that actually the work that we've put in has cut our street robbery figures down quite dramatically. A St Albans man successfully sued First Capital Connect over the price of his commute. Andrew Myers worked out that it was £700 cheaper to buy a ticket from North Watford. First Capital Connect say they'll be closing the loophole, which, according to Mr Myers, was wide open. I was shocked at how much the annual season was. Uh, I looked around to see if there was uh, perhaps uh, a journey that that was cheaper or could be uh, done in two legs. And I saw that this was cheaper. Uh, The website uh, from the National Rail Inquiry specifically says that if it's shown on the journey plan as a through route with one ticket, you can use your ticket. So I bought it. A new poll for the BBC suggests that despite government cuts, most people think the quality of public services has been maintained or improved over the past five years. The survey of just over a 1,000 people finds a greater proportion of people think bin collections, parks and libraries, schools and bus services have got better rather than worse. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons were knocked out of the Johnston's Paint Trophy last night. They lost 2-1 away to Stevenage. And the weather, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight. It's Wednesday, the 9th of October. The 9th of October. Who'd have thought we'd live so long? Here every weekday morning from six until nine, coming up in the last hour of the show. Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. What are your thoughts on that? New research seems to indicate that living near a flight path can make you ill. And we've been struggling to find anything for Justin Dealey to do this morning. The best we could come up with was Dave from Luton, who was upset that lights were being left on late at night. Street lights. Was worried it was costing a fortune. We've sent Justin out to do a report on that. Will he have done it? I honestly don't know what he's up to. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. I've got a few of those that I'll read in a minute. But the best way to get in touch is to give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. Well, do you think this is a change of heart or a desperate bid for more publicity? The two Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League left the group citing reforms... uh, Sorry, citing concerns over the dangers of extremism within their group. Tommy Robinson and his co-founder Kevin Carroll announced they're stepping down at a press conference in London last night, adding that their group had become, quote, part of the problem. Well, Luton MP Gavin Shuka is calling on them to apologise to the town 
down for the hell the far-right group has put the town through. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, asked Kevin Carroll whether their group had brought shame on Luton. I can't imagine people, uh, you finding a, a cascade of people, individuals, saying, oh, we are so ashamed of uh, being from Luton because of the English Defence League. I think they'd say we're so ashamed of being from Luton because we've had mass bombers and murderers and terrorists from Luton over the English Defence because we've killed, or maimed or hurt no one. So, you know, you have to get that into context and perspective. So I challenge that. Right? What about all the costs, though? I mean, like Luton Borough Council. Yes. You're not a big fan of theirs. Nope. But they've had to spend, with the authorities, millions of pounds. Yeah. F- allowing you to go about your democratic right. Yeah. That is and the right taxpayers of Luton who've had to fund that. Yeah, of the nation. But of Luton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we've demonstrated all over the country, and we are taxpayers. And in a, in a democracy. So you're happy that they've spent millions of pounds policing what, what were, in some instances, violent marches? What price democracy? What price do you put on the fact of facilitating your democratic freedoms to right to assembly, to right to protest about something that you have genuine, legitimate fears and concerns about? You can't put a price on it. And when you start talking about money for the cost of our demonstrations, those, those costs are split 50-50 between the leftists and the UAF. Right? So all those costs are cutting down the middle because it costs just as much to police their counter-demonstrations. Right? But also, you have to look at, if you want to talk about costs, do you know how many billions, billions of pounds extra a year it costs for security in this country because of the threat from Islamists? Billions. So weigh it up. A few million for our protests trying to highlight the problem with Islamism and Islamist extremism in this country and to deal with that problem, or billions of taxpayers' pounds on the extra security having to be implemented because of those islamists. So, you know, let's get into perspective. You're talking about sweetie money. Well, that's Paul Scoyne speaking to Kevin Carroll uh, uh, last night. Well, earlier on, I spoke to Safayan Sadiq, chair of the Berry Park Contingency Group, which was set up in reaction to the formation of the EDL. He says he understands why they were formed. We accept that there's parts of his manifesto and parts of what he says that are what the genuine British public or the white working class are feeling and are going through. And it's not to say that we, we totally disregard that. We do stand up and say that that is, there are some valid points. But to push in a me- the way he pushes it and some of the messages that it comes with he, he always has said that he is anti-Muslim uh, uh, he slips up time and time again because it, like last night he's turned around and he said it's only militant Islam but three weeks ago he was causing huge issues up in Stopsley when there was a charity football tournament but he's joined up with, with a Muslim organisation or, or an organisation that, that has Muslim members I, and, and I hope I, I, I'm a person of faith and I really hope that this is a turning of a page and tomorrow we will see a, a changed Tommy Robinson but I do think that we have to step forward with caution it doesn't mean that he's, him going with Quilliam is somehow we've got a magical solution mm. here that that he's going to be more tolerant. Jamie Bartlett is from the think tank Demos and wrote a report called Inside the EDL and joins me now. Morning, Jamie. Morning. What do you make of uh, what Tommy Robinson has said uh, about why he's left the EDL? Well, I think overall, I'd sort of take him at his word for the reasons he's left. And it's true since the very beginning, he has had lots of difficulty with dealing with more radical right-wing elements within the group. And that's partly a result of how the group operates. You know, anyone can turn up to a demonstration. 
really you just click Facebook and you're in. There's no formal membership structure. And frankly, for someone like Tommy Robinson, I know it sounds like a strange thing to say, but it's it's actually quite a difficult job. You know, it's, I mean, he he has had death threats against him. He has a, a guard with him all the time. He's often in hiding. I I hope, and I, I like I said, I take him at his word. But I, I hope what he's seeing and what he's saying is that there are better ways of trying to change society than going out and getting into brawls on a Saturday afternoon. And if that is the case, then I think we should, yes, we're obviously cautious, sceptical, we wait to see, but I think we should take it word. Why do you think he's doing it now? There are talks, of course, that he might possibly be standing for some form of election at some point. Personally, I think he, he probably does have some general vision of himself getting involved in politics. I think that's true. Um, but, it, but he says, and, and, and he said this to me in the past, that he, he decided to leave um, uh, uh, quite some months ago, actually, and it was the events in Woolwich that convinced him to stay on. I mean, I think in a Newsnight interview he gave yesterday, he said that it was when he was in prison and he came out of prison and he saw that a lot of the far-right elements had come back into the English Defence League that he had been trying to purge, that he decided... This was just not the right way of going about things. Both Tommy uh, and Kevin are, are asking that if the EDL continues, that, that, that whoever takes charge gets rid of those far-right uh, uh, members. Is that possible? I don't think it is possible. I think the, the way that the group operates is that it, inevitably it attracts all sorts of very different people, um, and it's very, very hard to control. The reality is that when, you, when you're in charge of a, an EDL region, you need numbers. You need numbers on the street. Uh, and, you, so, so, and you can't control who turns up to your demonstrations very easily. You can, you can certainly try, but it's extremely difficult. The reality is that Tommy and, 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 and Kevin Carroll are really sort of spokespeople for a number of re- region, sort of regional divisions of the English Defence League, all of which are often quite different. I can't see a natural heir coming up and taking over the group as a whole. I think it will probably stay more as a collection of smaller EDLs that will be doing their own thing. There was a significant number of British press, but also press from all over the world uh, at the press conference last night. They have, uh, well, Tommy Robinson at least, has gone global, hasn't he? They, he has, yeah. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's quite a remarkable story. I mean, in some ways, the English Defence League is one of the first, as I see it, it's one of the first sort of social media groups that's, that's actually begun to have a proper impact in the real world. Um, the, the, the English Defence League has, has, has tried, I think, to draw on a broader base of support across Europe, especially, of, of, of disgruntled people that feel like is, you know, there's some kind of creeping Islamization going, uh, going on across Europe, and that actually sort of white working class lads are the people that have got to t- try and stop it. And so you've seen defence leagues modelled on, on the EDL popping up across Europe over the past few years. It must be said, though, that none of them have been anywhere near as big or as successful as, as the original. This creeping Islamisation uh, across Europe that, that Tommy Robinson is, is, is so against, is there evidence that that's actually happening? Um, 
the interesting thing about this question, I think, is is when you when you speak to members of the English Defence League, and I've, spoke, I've spoken to lots of them, they will say that it is, and they will say that, and they will point to lots of articles from mainstream media all the way to niche and sometimes quite strange blogs, seeming to illustrate that that is taking place. But they would that, say that, wouldn't uh, they, the members well, of the well, EDL? Yeah, but- but that's the point. And, 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 and nowadays, it's quite easy to re- surround yourself with any media that you like online, which seems to justify your point yeah. of view. And if you like, to, but I, I, don't, I don't see the reality of a creeping Islamization. I do see that we have a problem with Islamist extremists in some parts of the country. I do see that we have a problem with Islamist terrorism in some parts of the country and in some parts of Europe. I don't see a much bigger creeping Islamization of the continent. But if you read certain things online, you will think that there mm. is. And that's one of the reasons that they do this. Jamie, final question. Quilliam, what are your, your views on, on the organisation that Tommy Robinson has joined? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've worked with Quilliam for a long time, actually. Um, they're a, they're a, they're a nice bunch of guys. Um, I think it's quite I think it's quite sort of a brave move on on their part as well as on on Tommy's part. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that for, 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 uh, William was originally founded, of course, to look at Islamist extremism, but as the years have gone by, they've they've extended their reach and extended their purview, if you like, and uh, and I think you know I, I'm I'm interested to see exactly what role Tommy's going to play in the group. You're, you're, you're at least vaguely optimistic about this, aren't you? I think in general that, you know, p- people do change their minds and do change their positions. And we live in a liberal democracy, and that's premised on the idea that people can change their minds, and you, you have to give them the chance mm. to do Jamie, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Jamie Bartlett from the think tank Demos, um, who wrote a report called Inside the EDL. What are your thoughts? Are you you sharing Jamie's optimism about this? 08459 455 555. Quarter past eight. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still slow on the M40 southbound. This is after an accident earlier at Loudwater Junction 3. It's busy back to 4 at High Wycombe. Further down, if you're going into London using the A40, you're going to find big queues eastbound, and it's because of a broken-down vehicle a bit earlier down in Perivale, but that's causing congestion all the way back as far as Uxbridge, so pretty much to the end of the M40. The M1 southbound queuing, this is from Junction 15A up at Toaster now, all the way down to the Newport Pagnell Services. There was an accident a little earlier at Milton Keynes. That's been moved, but the delays are starting to tail back there up into Northamptonshire. A5 southbound looking slow through Dunstable, Mark Yate, and down toward Redbourne we've still had some suggestions that the traffic lights in Markgate might not be working properly. A1, Roxton. So this is coming down to the Black Cat roundabout. Slow on all approaches, but very, very busy from Eaton Soken. The A1M looking slow past Stevenage. The A10 very busy in Royston and in Chesant down toward the M25. Then you've got M25 delays through the roadworks, anti-clockwise and a queue from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.16, it's Wednesday the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Twelve senior members of the Luton-based English Defence League have announced they're stepping down, with leader Tommy Robinson vowing to use democratic means to tackle extremism in all its forms. A new report says a multi-million pound system designed to prevent suspected criminals and terrorists travelling to the UK has a series of failings. In sport, Stevenage are through to the second round of the Johnston's Paint Trophy after beating Milton Keynes Dons 2-1, knocking them out of the competition. Coming up, according to new research, you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. I'm still scratching my head on this one ever so slightly. We'll find out more in a minute. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. <laughs> you're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, yesterday he snuck in the studio like at some form of radio ninja. Not today, Ollie man. No, I did the opposite of ninja work. You 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 clunked in like a, a samurai laden down with armor and a sword, and I saw you coming in. So yes. you're not making me jump today. That's right. I prepared the groundwork. I went in. I asked the team. I said, yep. "Can I go into Ian now? I don't want to distract him. I can see he's in focus mode." I was. I'm. In, I'm always focused when I'm doing this. My mind doesn't drift for one second. For uh, this. I've only been here for a few days, but my observation is not entirely 100 percent committed to your Let job. Let me just close down Facebook, Twitter, and my <laughs> emails on the computer. Now y- y- it's day three. Yes, I heard you're dealing with uh, the um, consumer hour. Yes, so like a professional. Oh, thank you. you. You're dealing with it very, very well. Well, you know what? The thing is, when people call up and yep. they're talking to me as their point of contact, yep. and not JVS. Then I'm not taking on his cases, and I suddenly feel very personally involved yep, in all yep, these people's yep. stories. I want to help them out. Yep. The heartbreaking story of a gentleman whose stair lift yeah. they broke. I bought it. My mum uh, uh, bought a secondhand stair lift, mm-hmm. uh, and she was, I mean, it, she was totally ripped off by this. It was a company, of course, I won't name, but they totally ripped her off, and it broke down after three days, and she lived on her own, and she couldn't get up the stairs at all. She had to sleep in her, in her sofa on her, on her settee. And I found out this company said, When are you, you going to go and fix it? We can get out there in 10 days' time. It's remarkable, isn't it? it? There is a lot of uh, lax uh, care around Stella, so I, I felt very sorry for that woman and her poor husband. Yeah, Doris, this was. Yes. We're going to try and get an update from her later in the week Fantastic. to find out what's happening with that. She did buy it secondhand, though, on, a, on an online marketplace. And so also, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised well, because stair lifts, they have to fit precisely. Yeah. The stairs, you kind of have to have them built. Yeah, and to, that, to fit your stairway. In this case, apparently the bloke who sold it was just like, "Oh, send me some measurements, and we'll work it Text out that way." Send me the measurements. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing <laughs> how that resolves. What have you got on the show this morning? Well, we've got to talk about the EDL, haven't we? It's obviously uh, what people across three counties are talking about, bearing in mind their presence in Luton. Mm. And uh, yeah, nine o'clock, big phone in. I want to hear from you. Do you take Tommy Robinson seriously? Uh, Tommy Robinson and his right-hand man have left the English Defence League over fears the groups became too extreme. Uh, Tommy Robinson told the BBC it's still his aim to counter Islamist ideology but with better democratic ideas and not violence. His decision follows discussions with the Quilliam Group who describe themselves as a counter extremism think tank. Uh, Mohammed Shafiq is chief executive of the Ramadan Foundation. He's told the BBC he won't take Tommy Robinson seriously until he rejects his fascist views on Islam 
and Muslims. Uh, so I just want to put that to you, really. Do you take him seriously? Now that Tommy Robinson has left the EDL, are you interested in what he has to say? Do you believe him? Will he become a more mainstream figure? Ultimately, do you take Tommy Robinson seriously? Uh, 08459 455 555 is the number to call. You can text 81333, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk and tweet me at Ollie Mann. Ollie, thank you very much. Thank you. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, we've got a text uh, on Toby Robinson. Uh, Ian, the EDL wouldn't have been started if the soldiers' march hadn't been disrupted by Muslim extremists. Blame the police for letting it happen. Well, you can give us a call on uh, your views on that now. 08459 455 555. You can also speak to Ollie, who's sitting in for JVS all this week and doing a darn fine job. I think you'd have to agree. Now, do you think that living near a flight path can make you ill? Well, according to new research, you're more at risk of having a stroke or getting heart disease if you live near an airport. This is what it would sound like. This is recorded in uh, Breachwood Green in Hertfordshire. Researchers from colleges in London looked at people living near Heathrow Airport and found that the noise from the aircraft could contribute to ill health by raising blood pressure or by disturbing people's sleep. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been to the village of Breachwood Green. Morning, Justin. Uh, what have people been saying to you? Well, the planes are that close that you can actually see the pilots. It's um, a really bizarre experience. Really? Uh, yeah, no, seriously, you can. You can see the pilots uh, that clearly. You're standing in somebody's back garden. It's actually, for me, quite a scary experience. Now, these people in that village, they do feel stressed. They also have a lack of sleep. Here's a, a brief recap of what they told me yesterday. I can honestly say I don't think I've had a whole night's sleep without taking sleeping pills in a year. Seriously? Honestly. So it's strange. There's a TV programme on the moment about anxiety attacks and panic attacks and stress, and that's exactly what you get from this, because you never know when the next plane's going over. Um, Sunday night, between 9 and 10, there'll be four or five planes. We have to pause your TV, because you can't hear. We're not running as far, we're not going to the gym, because you feel tired. You, you go to bed, you know you'll be woken up during the night a few times. You know by six o'clock you've got planes going off every 10, 15 minutes. does make me angry when they're really noisy and they, and they wake you up and then you can't get back to sleep again. And I mean, it can't be good for the young children. And I mean, there must be a lot of pollution coming out of these planes as they go over as well. well let's put it this way, that if you're sitting indoors in the wintertime with the, with the double glazing shut, you need the volume control to put the volume up. It's not something you would have by choice. We've had it inflicted on us. As we look out right now, we can see open green fields. It's an absolutely fabulous village, but but with the amount of aircraft going over, are you worried about your health, genuinely worried about your health? It makes you think about it a bit at times because my pond there gets oil on top of it, from which obviously comes from the aircraft, spots of oil come on it. And also when the wind's in the right way, the kerosene comes down the valley here. And it absolutely reeks of it some days. Well, listening to that is John Stewart, the chair of the Heathrow Association for the Control of Aircraft Noise. Good morning, John. Morning, Ian. What do you make of this research? Well, I think it is interesting. And it's interesting it's come from a, a really an imperial college and people who are serious researchers, because it does back up what people have been telling us, which is very similar to what the uh, Luton residents were telling Justine, that, that actually people do feel stressed out because this noise is interrupting their lives all the time. Uh, and this research is quite dramatic. It's showing that people in the noisiest areas have a 20% 
a greater chance of dying of stress-related diseases than uh, people in quiet areas. That's quite dramatic. What stories have you heard of, of, of people's lives being affected by the noise? Very, very similar to what we were hearing just now. People saying, uh, you know, they're out in their garden and the planes are interrupted them all the time. They have to adjust their television set. They have to go indoors and outdoors and do mm. they open the windows or not. And it's that kind of, it's not dramatic stress. It's that day-to-day constant worry, which I think is the cause of it. We've had a text. We've had a few texts. This is one from Chris. Uh, I, I'm afraid, Chris says, I'm afraid people that know the full repercussions of living near airports know what they are letting themselves in for. It's the public that use small airports for cheaper flights, causing more air traffic, so no sympathy. So, the, the, the a lot of people say, well, if you live near an airport, you move near an airport, it's kind of your fault, isn't it? There's some truth on that, Ian. I think there's two, there's two things people would say. First of all, people at Luton or at Heathrow never expected as many planes as they get right now. And the other interesting thing about this research is that they're saying people at Heathrow living as many as 20, 25 miles from the airport can be affected. Now, people there didn't really expect, wouldn't ask, am I under a flight path? So, there's some truth in what that, what's been said there, but many people didn't expect it to be as bad as it is today. Uh, how, how has it affected your life personally, John, the, the, the noise? It, it, quite, quite dramatically. I mean, I, I was one of those people living many miles from Heathrow, and the, the flight paths were changed, so in a sense the planes came to us about, uh, and we didn't go to the planes about 15 uh, years ago, mm. and suddenly... Uh, there's one plane every 90 seconds. Mm. And from not really being concerned about noise, you think, oh, my God, I can't escape this. You know, when you go, when you go home at night, you often want to shut the door to the world. You know, have your own peace and quiet, have your own time, and that's what you can't get anymore. Realistically, though, there, there is nothing that can be done, is there? If anything, these, these problems will get worse as we get more and more planes and bigger airports. Well, it's very interesting. There's an, an interesting bit by Simon Calder, the tra- transport correspondent independent today, saying, actually, this research is so dramatic that people are calling for expansion of certainly the big airports. They may have to think again, because he's saying this is not just people talking. This is not just irritation. This is really causing serious ill health. We'll see what happens in the future. John, thank you very much. No doubt we'll speak about this again at some point in the future. John Stewart, the chair of the Heathrow Association for the Control of Aircraft Noise. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been trying to find something for Dealey to do all day. You noticed that report he was doing about the Heathrow, about the airport, the, the, the villagers. He spoke to them yesterday. So what has he been doing this morning? Lots of you texting in with suggestions. Uh, Nick says, regarding Justin, why not just give him the morning off? Sorry. Then you can get a bit better prepared and have something for him to do tomorrow. Alternatively, get him back into the office and get him to stuff envelopes with Nick Coffer's recipe sheets ready to post out. That's a good one. Let's get Dealey working for... No, I want him working on this show. Nick from Melbourne. Kate says, I had a heavy night last night. Can Justin look into what can help? What is the best hangover cure? Uh, Helen says, you could send Justin to Bletchley to see why people who have dogs don't use the bin for dog poo. It's a park children play in. It's next to two schools. You have to walk through the park to get to the school. Now, I like the idea of Dealey getting close to dog poo. That appeals to me. And Peter says, we should do a story about age discrimination. The media are also mean to the older generation. I said they're also mean to the older generation. It's a joke, Peter. It's a joke. I hope you don't think that we're mean to the older generation here on BBC Three Counties Radio. We embrace them. We embrace them. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Still slow on the M40 southbound. There was an accident earlier at Loudwater. That's gone, but the congestion's back to High Wycombe. If you're using the A40 into London, it's queuing pretty much from the end of the M40 all the way down to Gypsy Corner. Very slow going this morning. M1 southbound, that's busy. There was an accident near Milton Keynes. That has been cleared as well. But from the Newport Patnell services back up toward Northamptonshire, there are delays. The A5 looking slow from Dunstable through Mark Yate toward Redbourne. The A1, you've firstly got delays at the Black Cat roundabout. Southbound from Eaton Soken looks the slowest. The A1M busy past Stevenage and then as you go into London you've got delays from South Mims down to Stirling Corner and then it's pretty slow going all the way down to Mill Hill Circus. The High Street in Ware is looking rather slow this morning. This is the A1170 around Church Street. The A10 in Royston quite busy at the King James Way Junction then slow through Chesant down toward the M25 and on the M25 it's stop start traffic through the roadwork section anti-clockwise and then from Kings Langley round to the M40. No train or tube problems reported though. Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines, I'm Catherine Boyle. Twelve senior members of the Luton-based English Defence League have announced they're stepping down, with leader Tommy Robinson vowing to use democratic means to tackle extremism in all its forms. A new report says a multi-million pound system designed to prevent suspected criminals and terrorists travelling to the UK has a series of failings. And Bedfordshire police say one in five street robberies in the county now involves a young victim, and the perpetrators are often teenagers too. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Stephen into through to the second round of the Johnston's Paint Trophy after knocking out MK Dons last night. Borough put an end to their recent losing streak with a 2-1 win, much to the delight of boss Graham Wesley. We've had a horrible run of results. Um, the team hasn't looked as though it's got a win in it. And uh, tonight we got arguably our more experienced players on the pitch. We got one or two back from injury. I think the players showed a lot of quality, but more importantly for me, they showed a real appetite to win a football match. First and foremost, you've got to have that work ethic, that togetherness, that fighting spirit. And uh, it felt like the good old days, didn't it, for the first time since I've been back I think. Meanwhile, Don's manager Carl Robinson didn't hold back. Today that wasn't acceptable. Listen, he went all bad. There was four to five up there. They, they had a right good goal. I thought Dean Lewinson was magnificent. Mm. But when you look at where the game goes, it, it was poor. It was poor. And um, they need to learn lessons very, very quickly. Wickham also go through to the second round of the JPT after beating Bristol City 2-1, courtesy of goals from Billy Knott and Matt Bloomfield. Here's the chairboy's boss, Gareth Ainsworth. We changed a few things, you know, we, uh, we had a little change of shape um, to encourage maybe a little bit more passing through the uh, through the midfield and uh, I think it worked a treat. Um, the goals we scored in the first half were, were superb, I think we could have had three or four and uh, nobody would have been uh, begrudged with that. And in conference premier, Luton Town drew three all at Aldershot, courtesy of goals from Andre Gray, Andre, uh, Andy Parry and Sean Wally. Here's how the Hatters' manager, John, still saw it. We were poor defensively today, poor. Not as a unit, but individuals. Individuals were poor. Give away too many free kicks in our third. Didn't defend the balls well enough um, and was very unconvincing. And that's your latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to uh, give us a call, that is indeed the telephone number. Um, or you can uh, go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr or you can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Uh, Justin Dealey, you're there. Where's okay. what? Uh, hello? Hello, Ian. Who are you? It's Jane. 
Jane who? Uh, uh, Jane Aylesbury. Oh, Jane, what do you... I was expecting Justin Daly. What, what, what are you doing here? I've got a suggestion for Justin. Oh, what, what, why is this not on my screen? Sophie Solaria, you're fired. I, uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, good, too, too late. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'll take the blame for that, I will. Oh, or you can make me a cup of tea and keep your job. All right, I'm going to... Uh, do you know what? I can't even hear what you're saying. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. There we go. <laughs> well, Jay, listen, I was expecting Justin Dilly, but I'm, I'm so much happier it's you. What have you... Uh, uh, suggestions for Justin? Yeah. What have you got? Yes. Um, the the uh, shops in the high streets, etc. Yes. Why do they leave their lights on oh. all night? I mean, I, I, I know you need the front lights on, but the, some of the stores yep. actually leave the lights all on, and it's like uh, um, environmental um, uh, problems. Environmental like problems, yeah. yeah. Things like that. Yeah. You're right. It does annoy me. Well, this ties in with what Dave in Luton called in about when he was um, suggesting streetlights. It does, it does annoy me, Jane, that we have so many streetlights on when you yeah. could have every other one off. You yeah. could have it off every other one. Mm. Um, and also, you're right, shop lights and big buildings, big offices that leave yeah. their lights on overnight. That must, it must cost a fortune. Exactly. And it, you're right, the environmental stuff and things. Yeah. Well, Jane, I will, I will put it to Justin. Although, I don't know if you've heard him this morning. Do you agree with me that Justin's got a bit of a, 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 an attitude problem today? <laughs> to be quite honest, I've not had the radio on very long. Oh. Uh, Sorry. It's oh. Just, it, the alarm goes off at half past seven. And right. that's when I get to, when I get to see, right. to hear what you're talking about. Right. But, um... Well, you, I, you could you, I mean, could you not set the alarm, set the alarm for six? We, we start at six. I know you do. Yeah. It's no excuse, I know. It is I no know. excuse, Jane. I do, I do like your show, though. You but not do. enough to listen to all of it. Well, I do my best. OK, Jane. Well, you keep doing your best. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Ramesh. Good morning, Ramesh. Good morning. Good morning, sir. sir. You're in Luton. You've got a suggestion, have you, for yeah. Justin yeah. Dealey? No, you know, tomorrow he's going to do the hammer tomorrow, yeah? He's going to do the what? Do Hamel Hampstead tomorrow, he said. He's going to do Hamel Hampstead tomorrow, yes. Yeah, well, how would they say the charity begin at home? How about doing the Berry Park? What would you like to be done at the Berry Park? Well, you should go around there and have a look with the guys daytime, you know. I mean, I, I wonder if you work only up to 9 o'clock, the daytime and the weekend. You've got to go down there and have a look at yourself, what's happening in there. What, 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 why don't you tell me what is happening there, sir? And we'll, uh, so we can... Like the display, you uh, over the place, you can't yep. even move there, you know. That, that, you won't believe it's Sunday, yeah? I went to Buddy Park, the yes. corner of Ivy Road, to Dunstable Road. Yeah. It's a shop there calling Mega Clearance. The palace all over the footpath outside you couldn't even move there okay well we, we you know we've we've had this issue of uh, of that area mentioned before ramish yeah, that's, that's, that's me and my wife oh it was you and your missus that's of course you came in i know exactly me, who this my, is yeah, sir that's me my there's nothing been done since then it's getting bad from bad to worse okay right l- 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 ramish we and we did say we look into this could, Produ- you, could you have a word with the council and tell them to do something about justin you're listening to ramish absolutely and of course uh, well, we have had a word with Luxembourg council uh, we are expecting some audit results back in the next few weeks so we are on the case for you don't worry okay well, thank you very much ramish thank you very much indeed and thank you for, for being a regular contributor to the show and and you are i i think this is a, a growing problem justin that, that mm. needs a couple of looks into you you're going to go to Hemel tomorrow with Blind Len, aren't you? Yes. Um, and you're going to walk down the street and see how much of a problem it is for him. Absolutely. And I think maybe Berry Park needs a little look as well.
I would say in particular at weekends. Uh, you know, during the week, yep. it's bad in Berry Park in Luton, but of course, when Luton Town are playing at home as well, it's even worse. People yes. park absolutely everywhere, and as we heard from people before, it's um, it's an accident waiting well, it's, to happen it's down the, there. The, the, the point Ramesh was making was the the signs and bits and pieces outside the st- the shops on the pavement. Yeah, yeah. street clutter absolutely yeah. everywhere. In now, Park. Justin. Yes. Oh, uh, Glenn's on the M1. Is uh, oh no, uh, Glenn's got something something else. I think is, is Glenn for Justin or is Glenn for something else? <laughs> My production team are completely ignoring me. Yeah, bless w- w- Is Glenn to speak to Justin or for something else? Are they doing their makeup? Unbelievable. Glenn, you're on the M1. Yeah. You're also on the radio speaking to Justin Dealey, the legend. Hello, Justin. Hello, Glenn. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Listen, I live in Northampton, so I can only listen to you when I get you in range. Don't worry. BBC Northampton's rubbish anyway. <laughs> well, that's why I tune into 3CR. Good man. Uh, but I do love your show on a Saturday, uh, Justin. Oh, Good man. Massage the ego. Thank you, Glenn. All right. So if you need any help, I'll come down and help you. Lovely. Thank you, Glenn. Right, Glenn, have you got a suggestion for a job that Justin can do? It's not, let's not all just kiss have, Justin's I, backside. <laughs> I have, but I don't know how he's going to do it. My okay. bugbear every morning is the drivers that still hog the middle lanes on the M1. Yep. And they do 50 mile an hour, and you can see the traffic tailing back, and they do nothing about it. So I don't know how you do it, but I'd like to know why these people continue to still hog the middle lanes. Leave it to me, Glenn. I'll tell you why. Because uh, when Ian was away and I stood in and we had some great feedback, uh, w- when that happened a few weeks ago... So great, they got James uh, Whale next time. <laughs> yeah, you and your commercial, mates. Whale, man at nine o'clock. Anyway, a few weeks ago, uh, the law changed, so people can now be fine for, for middle lane hogging. We've left it a few weeks. What we're going to do is hopefully go out with Bedfordshire Police and, and look into this in a bit more detail, because it's, it's very sketchy on how they actually find people, because technically the law was already there in the first place so things yeah. have changed hopefully we should be going out with the police to, to find out a bit more Glenn what if is I it about sure. Justin's show on a Saturday you like so much well because I like oh we've accidentally lost the line that's a real shame <laughs> that is a real shame now Justin yes there is a, a serious side to this we don't, we do, I didn't know that the packages you produced today were actually recorded yesterday so what have you done this morning uh, this morning um, I've been editing packages for you on aircraft noise and uh, also of course I've been uh, live on the streets with some reaction about uh, the English Defence League what that, more do you want you did Come that on. once well what I want is a package mm-hmm. uh, as suggested by David Luton about the street lights being left on at night yep have you got that package? I haven't got that package, but oh. I've got something better for you. What have you got? Um, a suggestion came in. There's a story out today about hangover cures. Yes. Okay? So, uh, in the last five minutes, oh, it's yes. been put together last minute. You'll hear that before nine. Uh, a few suggestions on people's number one hangover cures. So, maybe you can invite your listeners as well on the phones, the texts, and the email to come up with their number one hangover cure. I love it. This is from Kate in St Albans, who had a heavy night last night. So, we're going we're gonna to look into that, are we? Yes, we are. And you'll hear that report before nine. I really... Got to go. Re- Bye. Thank you. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I'm just going to do a little bit of magic on the computer because it's not done what I wanted it to do. So I'm just going to pull this down here. No one will notice a thing. And I'm going to pull this one down here. No one will notice a thing. 
Now, Tommy Robinson, did you notice anything, Paul? No. Good, excellent. Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. Do you think this is a change of heart or a desperate bid for more publicity? Well, the two Luton-based leaders of the far-right English Defence League left the group, citing concerns over the dangers of extremism within their group. Tommy Robinson and uh, his co-founder Kevin Carroll announced their stepping down at a press conference in London last night, adding that their group had become quotes, part of the problem. Well, we've been talking about this all morning. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes is with me. You were at the mm. press conference last night. What, 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 what do we make of all this? Well, I think it's just, I mean, we've heard from various commentators this morning uh, about w- whether or not, or just how significant, I suppose, this is. And, and, and just, I suppose, how significant this group is, because if you look back to where it started from it came from you know a, 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 f- a sense of sort of anger frustration at, uh, at what was perceived at that time in 2009 to be deeply offensive to people where the you know islamist extremists were uh, protesting on the streets of Luton at mm. the uh, the march of the royal anglian regiment very high feelings and and the English Defence League, I suppose, was a reaction to that from these two Lutonians who've grown up here who felt, you know, a sense of pride. But they, you know, they've been really under a lot of criticism for the way that they've conducted their operation. If you look at just the the the, the strength of the views that they've held, the the way that they've expressed those views, the the marches that they've held, the way that they've gone into communities mm. and head first in some ways you know they've gone to bradford they've gone and marched through luton they've not been shy about sort of standing you know face to face with with muslims and that for lots of people in that, those communities have been feeling that that's been very confrontational mm. and has actually led to that sort of um that fris- you know friction between those communities and indeed now maybe you're you're looking at uh, what they've said where they have seen this group go and tommy robinson said last night um he was worried that this particular group has become a, 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 a you know infiltrated by right wingers. I feel awful and I, I feel terrible. And part of the reason why I haven't wanted to leave many times is because I haven't wanted to give splinter groups, extremists, or st- extremists a platform. Which is why, if you listen to what I'm saying, I don't want to just combat Islamist ideology. Now that I've left, I want to combat those splinter groups because I feel as passionately against them as I do against Muslim extremists. Uh, so it, w- people are unsure whether his his move is to be taken seriously. Is it possibly a, 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 to, to mark a political campaign? We're not quite sure. I, I don't know about the political campaign. If I'm honest, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, we were told last night by Kevin Carroll. He said, "Never say never." Mm. I d- I'm I'm not entirely convinced that there's a. a would he run as an independent? Mm. Would he stand for council? I don't know as he wants the house. Not quite sure where he would sit. You spoke to Kevin Carroll. It was a cracking interview. If you want to hear a, a big chunk of the interview, do listen again on the BBC iPlayer. But seven, about four minutes past seven this morning. It'll also be in the podcast. But, but, but what did he have to say? Well, we put to him the the the, the point that he uh, and the group had had reached a point where they had become. Um, you know, a, a, almost a, a, a honeypot, if you like, and that's the word that they used for um, for these sorts of groups, these these far far right extremist groups. This was what he said to me last night. Oh, we still had control of it. This is what we're saying. But Tommy We've, said he didn't want to be the face of no, an organisation. No, an organisation that allows them to come in as soon as we stop showing up. Now we have to get it right. What we're saying is 
that unless we attend every single demonstration, these parasitical vultures, right, these neo-Nazi types, fascist, racist, whatever you want to call them, these splinter groups, well, they're always in the wings. But, but, They'd be there, but well, they, now they couldn't come in. You've created a monster, haven't you? Because no. you've, you've, you've basically created a, a group which is now, as you said, a, a honeypot to these sorts of groups, and you've just said, I, I don't want to do that anymore, and you've walked away. No, what we've got is we've got an organised structure of regional organisers across the country. That's our structure. And then we have divisional leaders. Um, we well, had they're, they're not working, are they? No, but the regional... They're not keeping those bad people out. No, but what we're, what we're saying is to the regional organisers, we've got a big meeting with them tomorrow. So what we're saying to them is, look, it falls upon you now to remain true to what our core message was, which is non-violent, but we believe that it's run its course. Big press conference last night, Paul. Do we know what happens next? Well... Um, I think it's a case of wait and see, really. Right. I mean, this Quilliam group are going to try and do some more work with them. And I think that they are going to try and see if they can perhaps broaden the number of people who become involved with that. Um, I think there's a lot of questions to ask about this Quillian group, to be honest. I think there is uh, a, not a suspicion, but a, perhaps a, a scepticism within some parts of, Mus- of the Muslim community about this, this group, which is made up of former extremists. Mm. So, you know, there are some people saying once an extremist, always an extremist. Um, t- uh, Tommy Robinson, a.k.a. Stephen Lennon, is going to be part of a BBC documentary called When Tommy Met Mo, and that's coming on our screens at some point. He was saying today, although I've checked the Radio Times listings and uh, and the BBC One listings and two and four and three, and there's nothing scheduled mm-hmm. for today. So unless something happens later, I don't know. Um, but that will be that will be interesting. And that that he says shows the journey that he's been on to go to come out of this. Okay. Uh, to come out of this group. So, Paul Scoins, mm. thank you very much indeed. Uh, lovely to see you too. Eight forty six, BBC Three Counties. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still pretty busy on the M40 southbound. The delays now roughly Stoke and Church to High Wycombe Junction 5 to 4, not helped by an accident a little earlier near Junction 3 that's long gone. And if you're using the M40 and the A40 to get into London, you're going to find it very slow going once you come off the end of the M40. It's pretty solid down the A40 from Uxbridge all the way to Gypsy Corner. A5 southbound, slow moving this morning from Dunstable to Redbourne, coming down to the M1 through Mark Yate. The A1 got delays at the Black Cat roundabout. All of the approaches are slow, but particularly on the southbound A1 from Eaton Soken. A1M looking busy past Stevenage. Then into London you've got A1 delays pretty much from the M25 at South Mims all the way down toward Mill Hill Circus. If you're using the A10 in Chesant, there are delays from Church Lane down toward the M25. Then you have M25 traffic anti-clockwise. Stop start from the M11 back in Essex all the way through the roadworks to Potter's Bar. Then delays from Kings Langley round to the M40 Junction 20 to 16. No train or tube problems reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I was just discussing Christmas dinners with, with Paul Scoins. I know it's a little bit early, but both of us enjoy our Christmas lunches and we're, we're very, very excited about it. We were just uh, r- r- waxing lyrical about roast potatoes. Anyway, 8.47, it's Wednesday the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Twelve senior members of the Luton-based English Defence League have announced they're stepping down with leader Tommy Robinson vowing to use democratic means to tackle extremism. A new report says a multi-million pound system designed to prevent suspected criminals and terrorists travelling to the UK has a series of failings. 
In sport, Milton Keynes Dons were knocked out of the Johnstons Paint Trophy last night after losing 2-1 away to Stevenage. Coming up, your reaction to our lead story this morning. Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. A change of heart or a desperate bid for more publicity? We'll talk about that after the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. We've got hints of brightness on the horizon, but we've also got a fair amount of cloud and still the mild temperature. We've got uh, 11 degrees at Luton Airport at the moment. Now, that doesn't sound great, but compared to tomorrow, it's really going to be quite balmy. So through the rest of today, we will have some sunny spells, uh, perhaps the odd shower later on, and the breeze is going to be picking up as well. Now, what will happen is a cold front will go through and then the skies will clear in the first part of the night. Temperatures will then drop to about 6 or 7 degrees Celsius and in sheltered spots there might be a touch of frost on the grass. But for most of us it's breezy enough to stop a frost. However, that's also going to mean that we may get one or two showers pushed in overnight and into tomorrow. But either way, when you wake up tomorrow morning, head out on your morning commute, you don't want your sandals on, it's going to be really quite chilly in comparison. Some decent spells of sunshine first thing, more cloud later with the chance of a shower, but really quite blustery conditions, winds from a northwesterly direction so it will be nippy with a top temperature tomorrow of 10 or 11 degrees Celsius and that's going to start us off on a fairly autumnal few days into the weekend. That's how it's looking for now. Thank you, Wendy. Who's a businesswoman and a broadcaster? Isn't it annoying when you just miss the end of something? Those are the headlines. There's a full bulletin at full. You have to turn the radio off. Or there's just so many interesting things, you don't have time to listen to them all. There's a lady here. Hello, have you got the treasure for me? I have the treasure. I lost him when I was 11, and he certainly made a great impression on me. Then why not use BBC iPlayer Radio? She developed a cocaine habit that cost her over £120 a day. You can listen again to our programmes and even see what our presenters look like. You look like Mr Stamper from a James Bond film. Head to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and make BBC Three Counties Radio unmissable. Morning. Uh, Tommy Robinson has left the EDL. We've been talking about it all morning. Now it's time to get your views on this. Tim is in Milton Keynes. Morning, Tim. Good morning. Tim, what, what do you make of Tommy Robinson standing down and joining the Quillian organisation? Well, what I make of him, well, after so many years, after wasting police time, resources, council, blocking roads, etc., and at the same time creating a monster group of divisional leaders, etc., if he couldn't handle them, what makes him think now that if he's joined against extremism, when he's been fighting against it and with them, what's going to change now? Do you not think, though, that, that, that what he said actually makes sense? He started the EDL, according to him, with the best intentions, uh, and it has become a, a, a monster that he can't control anymore. And that by joining something like Quillian, he, he, it's, it's, it's a, a better established group as opposed to just a Facebook page. Yeah, OK, it's a better established group, but at the same time, he's created the EDL. So when it comes to extremists... DDL know everything about him and his family, the 12 members, the heads. Are his family safe now, what he's doing? Well, I don't, I don't know if his uh, family are safe. Right, well, obviously the EDL are going to retaliate against him. And at, at the same time, you've got... So what do you think, Tim, what do you think Tommy Robinson should do then? Just disappear? No, what I think Tommy Robinson should do then is 
wake up because at the end of the day, I'm not being disrespectful. Um, all this publicity, etc. You get paid from the papers, etc. He's fighting a losing cause because you've got Africans out there, you've got Somalians, etc. You've got Muslims. Everybody's extremist. But when the word Muslims comes into effect, there are so many Muslims in the world, Pakistanis, Iranis, Egyptians, yeah. they're all fighting against each other. But why should the world fight? Why can't we live as two people, we've got the same eyes, hands, mouth, etc. We've been made, we've been created from the Almighty above. Tim, the life. Tim stay there. I, I want to bring Akbar and Lucid into this. Akbar, what's, what's your reaction to, to Tommy Robinson leaving the EDL? Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, my reaction to this is that uh, I take my hat to the uh, hat off to the population of Luton who never supported um, uh, Tommy Robinson and EDL in any significant way. And uh, I think uh, he has uh, taken the EDL to the to the extent he could. Um, and I think he ran uh, into a blind alley and he. He couldn't sell his uh, fake product anymore, uh, and he he has uh, obtained massive uh, publicity by this. And uh, now I feel he's trying to um, chart a, a political route for himself. No, and he, I, I disagree against that. Go on, Tim. I disagree against he's been making a fake product. Tim Robinson tried his best to make the EDL against Muslim extremists. <clears throat> yeah. He, he didn't make a fake product. It's the people around him that's making a fake product. But at well, the same that time... Well, I'm 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 entitled to my view, and uh, lots of Muslim communities and people from other communities believe that what he was selling was a fake product. And uh, EDL, it, as an organization, is 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 a fake uh, um, product because it doesn't have any um, uh, any agenda apart from hating the, the Muslims, and that will not work, and that hasn't worked, and that has forced Tom. Tommy Robinson and his, yes, his but, colleagues but, to leave. But I respect your views, sir. I yeah. respect your views. What I'm trying to say is he wants to fight against extremists, these people who are, you know, making Muslims out to be extremists, but every Muslim is not the same. Muslim okay, well, Tim, uh, Tim uh, Milton Keynes, Zach Byron, we have to end it there. Do keep listening to uh, Three Counties Radio because Ollie Mann, who's sitting in for uh, JVS today at nine o'clock, will be continuing this discussion and I'm sure both of you gentlemen would be very welcome as contributors to that show. 08459 455 555. We've been struggling this day. I feel we've let you down slightly. I don't like letting you down, but I feel we have in as much as we've really struggled to come up with something for Justin Slackadili to do today. Turns out most of his pieces he, he, he played on the air today were actually recorded some time ago. Possibly as late as, as, as last mm. week, maybe even last month. Who knows? Anyway. My mum said to me yesterday, Justin, why are you back so late from work today? It's three o'clock. Mum, I was doing it for Ian. Wow, and this is the kind of, you know, response that's, I get the next day. That's just You've just alienated yourself from every hard-working listener to this show. You get back at work at three o'clock. Wow, people would dream yes, of that. but I'm in at five o'clock every day.
you're not. Oh, I am. <laughs> no, you're not, mate. You're not. I'm in the office when you come in. I know exactly when you come in because you order the team to make you some coughs with three sugars. Anyway, yeah, that is true. Yeah. We were looking for stuff. Kate came up with the suggestion. I had a heavy, a heavy night last night. Can Justin look into what to help? What is the best hangover cure? You have been researching this, haven't you? Yes, I have. Now, this was tough, Ian, because I didn't have much time to put this together. It was pretty desperate, to be brutally honest. So, once again, you are going to hear from Intercom Man. But um, I have been out onto the streets asking people about the best hangover cures, and here's what happened. It's a very loud car behind us. Madam, name me a good hangover cure. McDonald's. A McDonald's? Yeah. And that works? Definitely. Oh, that laughing clown. <laughs> With a strawberry milkshake. Wouldn't that make you feel worse? No. It always helps. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. No worries. Morning, sir. How are you? No, no. Can't answer any questions. Really? It's about hangover cures. No, no. This is a driving test centre. Please, can you leave? Dutch and can you leave, please? Well, there's a man walking down the street doing his time on the way to work. What's your name? Jake. Jake, come on, give me a decent hangover cure. Decent hangover cure. Um, fry up. Fry up. Come on, that's a bit cliche. It is, isn't it? Come on, Sam, give me a decent hangover cure. Help me out here. Big fried breakfast. A big fried breakfast, the full shebang. Yes. Sir, I want to talk to you about hangovers. No. Cornflakes. Absolutely gorgeous. Fresh air. Plenty of fresh air. Go for a walk. When I think about fresh air, when I'm hungover, as soon as I hit the fresh air, whew, makes me feel ill. It gets it out of the way, doesn't it? Job done. Otherwise, it just drags on and on. What would you like to say? Hello there, you well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Yeah, not too bad. There's not many people out on the streets again this morning. Um, I just want to know, what's a good hangover cure? A good woman, I think. A good woman? Yeah, that's normally a good hangover cure. Okay, anything else? Um, a good breakfast, if you've got one. This is great. Yesterday you wouldn't reveal information over the intercom. What's changed? Oh, uh, a bit of bad mood today. Lovely. Can I come back tomorrow? Yeah, you can. I'll be here again tomorrow at 7. Lovely. <laughs> really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. See you later. Hey, listen, because he, he didn't want to talk to you yesterday. You're, yeah. you're, you're like the horse whisperer. You're bonding with this guy. Seriously, I reckon this could be a regular feature. The intercom of the day. <laughs> Instead of going out into the streets, we just press any random intercom and see what we find next. Fantastic. I love it. Well, Justin, listen, mm. you, have, you have done well this morning. You rose to the challenge and you almost fulfilled. So thank you for that. Ian, always a pleasure with you. Thank you very much. That's Justin, uh, Justin Daly finally doing some work. Well done. Hopefully that'll buck him up for the rest of the week. Thank you to everyone who took part in the show this morning. What a lot of feedback. Eight voice oh, sounded like Ken Dodd then. What a lot of feedback. Uh, let's get the travel now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. I've hardly had to mention the trains this morning, but that's just because they've been running really well. No problems on the rails through the three counties. Routes down toward London all looking fine, and indeed the tubes all seem to be running pretty well at the moment as well. No metropolitan line delays, certainly. M40 southbound. The worst of the delays have now gone from Stoke and Church to High Wycombe. Still very slow, though, if you're using the A40 into London, with queues from the end of the M40 near Uxbridge all the way through to Gypsy Corner. A5 southbound, slow moving from Dunstable to Redbourne. The traffic lights in Markgate. We have had suggestions they may not be working properly, but no confirmation on that, I'm afraid. A1 through Roxton, very slow. This is coming down to the Black Cat roundabout from Eaton Soken. Busy then as you make your way into London on the A1, with some delays from the M25 at South Mims down towards Stirling Corner and then Mill Hill Circus. M25 anti-clockwise, busy through the roadwork section, also slow Chorleywood through to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 
Right, that's it. That's your lot from me. Don't forget, you can download the podcast from iTunes. Type in Ian Lee BBC. It pops up. You can email me, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Ollie Mann is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, Ollie Mann here, standing in for Jonathan this week on the JV.